Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another special, very special episode of Cafe Confessions. Of course, I'm your host, Bree, and I have my best favorite, most whatever you want to name it, co-host here with me. Who am I speaking with? Chalika. No. <laughs> hey, y'all. Yes. yes, this is our podcast. As you guys know, we're 10 episodes down. Okay. Oh, my God. And this is so special. Why is this special, Shay? Because this is our season finale. Oh, my God. Like 10 episodes, Brie. 10. 10 episodes. This has been fun. I can't even. I can't. I can't say it's been a wild ride. I could say that this has been truly fun. I feel like low key, it's been life changing. So, I, oh my god, yeah. I wasn't expecting you to say all that, girl. girl like <laughs> you, I mean, when you think about it, this was a quick conversation. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm thinking about doing this. You want to join me on this journey? Yeah, let's get to it. And we've just hit the ground running. Like mm. the feedback. You know, people really back. rock with us. So, yes. No, yes. I know we went over our analytics last week. And I was for sure just like when I asked you to do the podcast with me, mind you, y'all don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I had text message Shay and I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and we hadn't talked for months. So I'm pretty sure she was like, okay, like what's going on? <laughs> no. And I was like, I think about doing this podcast. I think you're the perfect co-host. Like, would you do this with me? And she said, you know what? Let me think about this. Can I take a couple of days? And I for sure thought I was like, she's going to say no. Like, I was already preparing myself to be like, oh, no worries. Like, mm-hmm. great job on your endeavors. Like, you know, <laughs> see you next lifetime or whatever the case was going to be. And you ended up saying yes. And then I immediately had this feeling of like, oh, shit. What? <laughs> this no, is really going to happen. <laughs> so are you, you mean yes? Like, okay, so we actually have to do this. Like, this isn't. <laughs> It was an idea, but now we actually have to put in the action. So, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. To this point of like, hey, y'all, this is our series finale. Yes. Ten episodes no, down. No, season, girl, season. Don't. Oh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> season finale, y'all. We will be back. And just we will be back. <laughs> yes. We just need a little break. We need a, we need a regroup, you know, but we have so many exciting things planned. So, yeah. You know, y'all been rocking us uh, so far. We can't wait for you to see what we have in store. So, yes, there's always this episode of, well, it's not even an episode. It was an interview with Tyler, the creator that went viral. And it's, it lives rent free in my head. And he was doing um, a podcast interview and he said, oh, yeah, I don't know what I have in store. I mean, I guess somebody was like doubting him saying he wanted to win like a Grammy. And they were like, that's not possible. You know, mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you don't know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And like. I'm right now feeling like a lot of people are not ready for what we are bringing to the table because it's going season two is about to be (laughs) crazy. To be honest with you, we didn't even know. We didn't know what we brought to the table. Hell no, we didn't. And now I'm like, oh, bitch. (laughs) Okay. No, because no, y'all, me and Shay have done all the promos. We have done all the editing. We figured out this platform shit. We've done all the equipment buying. We literally did not have a single drop of help. Support, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But help, no. This has been trial and error. Yes. Hence episodes one through fucking seven. <laughs> sounding like we was on a fucking plane, right? Jumping out the sky. <laughs> Trying to interview each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's so stupid. But yes, the sky dude. with a mic in my hand. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> what you sipping on, Brie? Like, what? <laughs> Girl, seriously. Like, but we're here now and we'll get into how we feel about the season. But before we do, as always, Shay, what are you drinking? I am drinking a strawberry guava tea. Mm. I know. Uh, Su- Suja? Suha? Suja? Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah. feel like you had something from them on the show before. I did. It was it was a little, it was like one of those little shots. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. That was, was good that. too. Because you were going to brunch yep. and I remember you saying, I drink only water and alcohol. And then in between that, I drink these shots or something. Great. Not what you coming for me like this. Like, dang, <laughs> I'm trying to change. Okay. <laughs> You said that. You said that. I did. Okay. You don't got. Don't go back to the episodes. Yes, I said it. I'm admitting it right here. So it's okay. I I can. I will take ownership of what I said. So yes, I did say okay. that. Okay. My apologies for Bree bringing that up. Even though yes, it was recorded for yeah. everyone to hear. <laughs> Maybe some of y'all didn't catch that, and now I have now brought it to your attention. Yes. So I do apologize. Yes. Thank you again. <laughs> I swear, these last two episodes, you've really been coming for me. I don't know what's going on. Like, do you want me to be in season two? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I definitely want you to be in season okay, two. Okay, we'll act like it. I, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. My apologies, girl. I'm drinking just as much as you. I was supposed to be sober all April, and that lasted about a good two and a half weeks, and I was right back to the bullshit. So, um... I have no room to judge nobody for drinking alcohol. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, anyways, I am drinking something organic and it's a strawberry guava tea. Okay. Trying to do better. Sounds good. Yeah. Even though I'm probably going to have nachos later, but you know, balance. It's all about balance. All about that balance, baby. Right. 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 What about you? (laughs) I saw that you made some tea. Are you going to talk about that? Are you going to talk about the special blends? uh, Yes. One of my really good friends is hosting a tea day at the end of May. And he asked me, since I love tea so much, to do the tea recipes. Uh, And I was like, me? Right? So I've been in the kitchen every night trying to come up with some cool concoctions. And I guess you could say I made a little recipe that went viral amongst my magnitude of 250 friends on Instagram. Because y'all know my shit's private as hell. But it did go viral amongst my little crew and everyone loved it. It was a color changing tea. Realistically, it was just butterfly blue pea. And then I put some blue lotus. Blue, blue lotus is good for like lucid dreaming. So Ooh. you want to be careful. Like if okay. you drink a lot of it, you could have a nightmare. And that Ooh. has happened to me more times than I like to admit. Okay. Um, but the dreams be dreaming. Okay. They be in HD, whatever, 4K, high definition. <laughs> they be baby, clear as yeah. day. But um, if you put lemon juice with butterfly blue pea, it will actually turn it purple from being mm-hmm. blue to purple. So there was a little live action chemical reaction going on and everyone was like, oh my God, loved yeah. it. I was too. I was. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, can I have some of this? I didn't know. I didn't know why you had extra if the whole jar was for your friend. <laughs> if you had a little bit, I would like some. Oh, yeah, just because of the changing colors, like um, kindergarten or something like, oh my God, look, blue to purple. Yeah. But it, it was, was, I liked it. <laughs> 
It was literally just lemon juice. This is God's given chemistry, I guess you could say. But I would be happy to make you some tea, butterfly blue tea. And um, for all you cats out there who don't know anything about herbalism, that was herbalism 101 and chemistry class 101. But today I'm actually drinking a tea that I picked up from my favorite metaphysical shop, Recircle Home. You know, you've been there. And I saw this tea and it reminded me of our podcast. It's called Heart Light Tea. It's for celebration, connection, and heartfelt joy, which is what I'm trying to embody for this podcast for us today. Yes, it has organic ginger, clove, cardamom, uh, sweet cinnamon, hawthorn, and honey bush. It's really good. So I'm really enjoying this, y'all. But... Enough about my shameless plugs. Uh, (laughs) I didn't put Recircle Home on the map. I would like to kind of get into our end of season discussion really quickly before we hop into our freaking phenomenal episode that we're getting ready to record. Shay, tell me what your favorite episode was of this season and why. My favorite episode this season was All You Can Eat. I just, (laughs) um, I can listen to that episode over and over again because one we were being vulnerable but we were also poking fun (laughs) just at the fat stuff that we were doing and but not only that we also touched on disorderly eating and you know just wanting to be better and the growth that we've had and I know that you were discussing a lot of that very 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 proud of you for not continuing with your disorderly eating. And I know that you said that you there's triggers for you and felt like it was just real. I think it was one of our more intimate uh, discussions. And I will say a lot of people could relate to that. Oh, <laughs> a, lot yeah. people, a lot of people could relate to being a little chubby kid and um, eating out of the trash can. I will say right. <laughs> I was happy about I'm not gonna lie to you I was like thank god we are not the only people yes. because you feel alone in that and for yeah. years I was like I'm by myself with eating out of mm-hmm. I ate out the trash one time you know and I didn't put this on that episode but I had the fucking audacity to hop on Facebook and let people know that I did it no <laughs> why would you call yourself out like that for the- well I mean I guess it's no different than what we're doing right now but <laughs> No, but it was the night of. It was the night of. That's a whole other show. And my dad was like, "Um, you might want to take this down. (laughs) (laughs) Chase literally cracked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm happy, though, that you feel that way about that episode. Because I didn't expect to be so vulnerable. Yeah. Us to be so vulnerable and for people to connect. I feel like that was one of those episodes where people just tuned in. I think it's yeah. like what our second listen to, second or third listen to episode of mm-hmm. the whole season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it, very it popular. Was, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. It was educational, and it was us just Funny. letting you in to us. You know, this is this is who we are. So, uh, what about you? What was your favorite episode? You know, I can't lie. I'm biased. My oh, favorite no. episode was the Black Girl's Guide to Psychedelics. <laughs> I It was because honestly, I feel like that episode for me is going to touch so many lives yes. and just, you know, bring people into like our space of healing. I would definitely say um, All You Can Eat is my second. So we're right there neck and neck. Okay. But yeah, I love the psych- Black Girl's Guide to Psychedelics. I just felt... It was a space I've never heard of. And the fact that we got to create it 
you know, and be yeah. unapologetically us. Yeah. In that space was fucking divine for me. So, yes, I could I could literally drop a tear off of how much I'm loving everything that we've done here. We've mm-hmm. done a fucking amazing job and I'm cursing, mm-hmm. but I'm so excited about we're about to go up. Yeah. Like I'm manifesting it on this episode. Season two is what's going to get us off the map. Like right. I'm trying to God bless my job for keeping me there as an employee. But I'm trying to say sayonara. Thank you for serving <laughs> Thank you for serving me for two years. I appreciate you, but I want to follow my passions and my dreams. And I know you're on the same boat. And it's like, this is hustle and work. And that's going to get me to my second question. Tell me what was the most challenging part of this season? I think on top of (laughs) all of the mishaps and the mics messing up, what was most challenging for me was just accepting all of the praise that we were receiving. That was hard because I'm like, really? Y'all think that about us? Like you actually listen to what I have to say. It's hard just sitting back and, you know, just letting people shower you with praise and mm. just talk about your episodes and how they relate. And I, I honestly, like from people at work to, you know, my close friends to, I mean, even family reaching out and congratulating me. It's hard. And I don't know, maybe that comes from our just, well, for me, having a hard time accepting good news, especially like when I'm the center of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not it's not the easiest thing, but I am learning to just take that and not shut it down. Like, oh, no, 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 you don't really mean that. Like, if you're saying these great things and you continue to come back week after week, just accept that and just know that you are an awesome person. So it was really challenging for me. I completely agree with you. Like, I didn't even think about that perspective at all until you said it. And then the moment you said it, and I was like, I needed, I needed words to that feeling. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome yes. a little bit, right? And I'm like, am I capable of doing a podcast? Are mm-hmm. we capable? You know, are we actually entertaining? Do we actually have the knowledge and the skills? And it's like, Yes, y'all mm-hmm. are doing this shit. This is not a pipe dream. This is right. actually something people could physically tap into their phones right now and say, hey, I could listen to this podcast if I want to. And it's right. like that that concept is strange to me. So thank you for putting words to that. I did not have that challenge until right now. And I was like, yeah, I completely yeah. relate. For me, I would say um, understanding that when you're working on a craft or you're doing some type of creation, that's going to take something out of you and you're going to have to have some balance in your life, right? Yeah. I was struggling for a long time with this season, finding that balance. Right. And then also, in addition to that, making people understand like this is something I'm very passionate about and sometimes that comes with a sacrifice. Sometimes I don't have the time to go to certain events or do certain things and that was a challenge for me to be like, no, I have to do this podcast. Like this is where my heart is right now and not feel guilty about that. Right. So that was definitely a challenge for me, but you know what? Let's not end on this note. What was Mm -hmm. your favorite thing? I'm going to add one more question about my season. My favorite favorite episode, favorite thing in general. Oh man. Um, I feel like I have a lot of favorites. Um, I felt like I got closer to people. They opened up a little bit more to me. It 
I felt like there wasn't a lot of pressure anymore. It's like you all are stepping in to what most, it seems like a, a private conversation. We're just recording this because this is how we are, you know, off camera, on camera. Um, and I felt like people are learning a little bit more about me. Like I'm all, I'm all fun and, you know, but you know, I have my moments. I have, I've been through a lot in my life and mm. I'm opening it up. What I normally would not be this open with people. I, I feel like I am <laughs> an open book, but I would not be this open with people. And for people who I have never even met, they know things about me. So though it sounds like a challenge, honestly, that's one of my favorite things because it also feels freeing. You know, like when you just have things that have happened to you or things that you've experienced and you don't, you know, normally just start a conversation with people who aren't that close to you, or even if you don't start a conversation with the people who are close to you, it almost feels freeing. It's like, I don't have to carry around this burden anymore, you know? Right. So I think that's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about this podcast Um Mm. You know, I just, I just feel comfortable and I'm love starting, that. yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to let my guard down when it comes to my imposter syndrome as well. And I'm every day, I'm just really trying to see myself do a lot of mirror work. Like you are this amazing person. You are awesome. You're like, phenomenal. You are phenomenal. Thank you. I respect <laughs> that. I, but no, yes. Shay, like you're a phenomenal person and it is such a rarity to find someone who is so kind-hearted and who's so loving who's so giving who's so patient like you're amazing you know so the fact that and I'm dealing with the same thing like mm -hmm. I'm talking all this shit and saying all this stuff and I could go off camera right now and be like I hate this about myself I don't like you know yeah but somebody as pure-hearted and just oh you're just I'm blessed to have even been in your space at all. You know, whether that was for a minute or 10 years, like yeah. it's a blessing. And I just, I honor that. I honor you so much. Like, I want you to know that. Thank you. I really do. I really, I, really do. I could say the same about you, Brie. Like the way we just became friends, it was almost instant. Like yeah. I am so thankful for our mutual friend for bringing you over You're going to make me cry, girl. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I really am. And it's like everything. Like if you just think about, you were a stranger that came to my house. We hit it off. We are doing a freaking podcast right now. Yeah. What? I know. <laughs> everything, like everything happens for a reason. And whether that's a redirection or a lesson, like it's for a purpose there. It, everything serves a purpose. So I am so happy and thankful to have a friend like you. And I know that uh, for a good amount of time, we had a rough patch and here we are now, like, yes, we have a podcast, but we are working on that friendship. Oh, and yeah. when I talk to you on the phone, it's like, we haven't missed a beat. Like, mm -mm. you know, we don't even harbor on the past. It's like mm -mm. that happened. We discussed it. We're moving on, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm is, so happy. It's hey, y'all, and I. It, I don't care if this episode is long. Okay, y'all could take a break, <laughs> come back, you know. But I'm not rushing. We are not rushing out of this episode for the sake of time. All right, this is your finale season finale. I was gonna say it again, so you can come back to this for the next three weeks. I don't care how long <laughs> it takes you to get through it. So don't be trying to say hurry up and get. Uh uh. We're gonna stop right here. We're gonna take a moment to just sit in our bodies and just take our time because this is some divine energy happening 
And you're absolutely right. It doesn't feel like I missed a beat at all with you. Like, it's very hard for me to open up. I agree with you. I'm an open book and I'm using air quotes. I will tell you a lot of stuff, but it would always be the stuff that I really want you to know. I'm very precise about what I release to whom and what. And people think, oh, I I know Brie, but it's like, you don't know everything that encompasses me. Like, and I had to work through that. That was a challenge of like, stop trying to be the person that you think people need you to be. Be you, all of you, flawed mm-hmm. and all. And yeah. this podcast has shown me like the more of you you are and how you show up as yourself, the more people are going to love you. Yeah. You know, when I when I did the podcast, the first episode before we dropped it with you, I was at the bar with my friend crying about how ridiculous I felt about doing this. And I was like, I'm just so scared about what people are going to think. And he said, what if people love you more? What Mm -hmm. if you do this podcast and people love you more? You're always focused on people not liking you. Yeah. Or like people are going to love you more. And I was like, wait, hold on. I didn't even (laughs) take that into consideration. So, yes, my favorite part about this season was coming into myself and being authentically me everywhere that I go. Yeah. Not being in the closet about my spirituality about hotep um, polyamory <laughs> stuff, like stuff yeah. that I would normally be like, uh, oop, I'm not going to say that. Right. I said it here and I'm still standing. You're still standing, right? Yeah. So thank you for just being the amazing co-host you are to give me the space to feel comfortable enough to do that because this is a conversation with me and you first that we put out to the world. Right. So without that comfort, this podcast wouldn't exist. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get y'all teary-eyed. No, but- no. I mean, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're going to cry a lot. We're going to cry. <laughs> a lot. It's going to be some tears. But to bring it back to the episode really quickly, did you have something else to say? No. Today's segment is the venti. Okay. Yes. Venti. Starbucks don't sue us. Anyways, <laughs> what we'll be doing in this episode Technically, technically they can't sue us. What we'll be doing in this episode is venting over tea. Hence, Mm -hmm. we call it the venti. So, Shay, starting with you, what would you like to vent about this week? (sighs) Okay, it's something that I've been noticing, and it's just so annoying. I hate that women in relationships think that everybody wants their man. It Mm. bugs the hell out of me. Like, girl... Nobody is looking at that fucking roach. That's all you. (laughs) Nobody wants him. That no, literally nobody wants him. And I've seen it in action. Girls will start being rude to you or cold to you. And maybe because their boyfriend, like, I don't know, like started a a small conversation with you. It could have been over a a damn drink or, oh, you know what? You got something on your shoe. Now here your girlfriend come and she got the attitude from hell because you're just simply exchanging words with a person of the opposite sex. Right. It's not that serious. Y'all need to relax. If you've been with this person and or you're married to this person or you're engaged to this person and you can't trust enough that they would respect you in that relationship, then you need to reevaluate the person that you were with. And and you might want to get some help from yourself to figure out why you're so insecure. Mm, a, I can a have, word. Right, cuz I'm going to tell you right now, I have male friends. I will talk to male strangers. Mm -hmm. I also have a boyfriend that I'm in a loving relationship with. 
I'm not going to stop talking to people because it makes y'all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you should have a nasty, funky ass attitude because you're uncomfortable with someone making simple conversation. So mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to vent about. You bitches need to get a grip, please. No, I agree with you. And you know what? As a woman in a relationship, for real, you you really do have to love with an open hand. Like there is 4 billion people, probably more on this earth. And majority of them are other women. So <laughs> I'm not about to sit up here and, and keep tabs on every woman that you speak to. Coworker, grocery store clerk. Right. Um, friend, because men should have friends that are women and you should be able to trust that they will respect you behind your back. And also me. Uh-uh. You are not about to tell me I can't talk to no man. You ain't going through my phone. I'm not going through your phone. I don't got time for that. Like that is the other full-time job. I don't have that type of capacity. I'm not out here disrespecting you. You're not out here disrespecting me. And guess what? If we fuck up, because sometimes people do make mistakes, I would come to you. I would trust that you would come to me. I don't have time to be eyes peeled open trying to figure out ears on fucking stealth mode. Like, Like, I don't have that kind of time. Right. Because if a person wanted to go do something, I don't care if you spend 100% of your time with them. They will find a way to spend time with someone else. Can I ask you a question? Yes. It's going to seem unrelated. What age did you lose your virginity? I lost my virginity at 21. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cut this out. because that <laughs> <laughs> Or keep it in. <laughs> Why are you? I, I thought for sure he was gonna say. <laughs> I thought for sure he was gonna say twelve. Not twelve. Sorry. Damn. Damn. What? No disrespect if you did at twelve. But <laughs> for me, do for I, me it was sixteen. Do I give you young hot hot thing on the no, press? No, you what? actually don't. But I just see, bitch. That's why you don't assume. I just assume everybody lost their virginity at like fifteen. You know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. My ass. I was fucking at 16 and there was nothing that nobody could say to stop me from doing what I was going to do. My mom could have had the damn bolts on the doors. Okay. She could have had tent on the windows in the house. And I still would have found a way to do what I wanted to do. All that to say (laughs) for real, all that and all the people in my school that were sexually active, same shit. There wasn't nothing. I done seen some strange sexual places, okay? Some strange, <laughs> some strange situations. But I'm like, I know good and damn well y'all was not doing that up in there. Right. But kids are going to find a way. Yes, kids are going to find a way. So just like a child's going to find a way to do what they want to do, so is a man, so is a woman in a relationship. So you might as well just say, I need to find the partner that I can trust behind my back. Right. Because they have free will, you know? You could send a man to jail and he still might cheat on your ass. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently if he does the fucking or someone else does the sucking, it's they're not gay. And yeah, so that that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but just know it can happen. It can. It, and don't it, put nothing past happen. anybody. It happens. It CEOs happens. out there. CEOs. It, it, Cafe Confessions podcast. Tell us your secrets about yeah. what goes on in please, the- please, please. Yeah. I know you done. Re- <laughs> I know you done walked into a couple of situations happening. So please, we would love. We would love to hear that story because it does happen. 
Yes. Just like cheating does happen. So if you if you think that you got to put your man on a tight leash and he's not going to do anything and he's not going to go anywhere, but as long as I still, you know, give him and other women attitudes to let them know what's mine is mine, it's right. still going to happen. That is my vent. I hate seeing it. I see it all very 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 often and I like I said, I think y'all need to take some sort of chill pill or figure it out. But and then I also feel like when people see me talking to other people, like talking to other men, I don't, to, to me, it's like, I'm judging you. But then at the same time, I'm like, oh, you wish you could be me. You wish that you could just be this comfortable and this confident. And it's it's just that I'm just talking. I'm just, I could be talking about fucking music. Mm-hmm. And here you are, beady eyes. What's she doing over there? What's going right. on? Right. You oh, worried about me more than my man is. Yeah. I went to the club one time with Sadell and, um, he was like, I don't play dancing no more. I'm tired. I'm, my feet hurt. Whatever was going on. Okay, shit. I still want to dance. So I was out there doing my thing. That's another thing I don't trip about. I understand that some people are awkward about dancing with other people. I don't care. Like, you're having a good time. Go dance. You know, what you going to do? T- pull a condom out right then there <laughs> on the dance floor in front of everybody? I'm sure you know, it's happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure. sure it has happened. I'm not putting it past you. But come on now. Like, I, with my partner, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, like... Please go out there and do whatever you do. So I was enjoying myself, having a great time dancing. And somebody happened to speak to my boyfriend and say, you know, that doesn't bother you. That doesn't. And he was like, she's having a good time. Why would that bother me? Like, she's not doing anything. She's dancing. So it's just little stuff. Like, why keep your eyes on your own relationship. Yes, and mind your business. What are you? Are you my father? A are, you, are you telling police? on me? Like, you see what's going shoulder. on, right? God, dang. <laughs> whole time, whole time, me and Sadell have outlasted a lot of couples that we've known as friends. So it's like, mind the business that pays you. Mind the business that love you, okay? Because you don't know what somebody else got going on in their relationship, their bedroom, their boundaries. It's all different. It's right. all different. So just be mindful that everyone is not on the same page as you just because you and another person have this toxic ideology of what a relationship should be and i'm gonna call it toxic because we are too grown we are not in high school yeah we are pushing 30s uh some of y'all pushing 40s you need to be pushing the chill button when it comes to love like it doesn't need to be so tight wad you are not out here holding on for dear life um and if you are that relationship is not serving you Mm -mm. and it is time to like shay said (laughs) reevaluate My venti, on the other hand, (sighs) so it's been weeks. It's been weeks building up for real, for real. They opened up a new motherfucking restaurant (laughs) next door, okay, to where I live. And it's called Bored and Hungry in Long Beach. It is a fucking NFT restaurant. It's the first ever in the world. Now, you would think first ever in the world. Oh, it got to be. It has to be a lot of fucking funding and a lot of care and time and effort they didn't put that motherfucking restaurant up in one week there was no intention behind the restaurant they literally threw some paint on the walls and said we're open for business okay these motherfuckers have been driving me crazy literally these nerds are just popping up all hours of the day taking photos of this place i can't even i know i'm in a few goddamn photos right now on twitter probably looking a hot mess looking a hot mess parking my little dingy ass car trying to get to my apartment i know i'm in somebody's background photo 
<laughs> carrying fucking 35 bags of groceries sweated out <laughs> i know i am i can't even walk past my house without feeling like i'm in a paparazzi shoe <laughs> and i'm not no fucking celebrity so when you catch me on the streets it's not cute it's not <laughs> <laughs> when you catch me i look great you know how they be looking when they be dropping off the door dash and people mm-hmm. be trying to like go and grab that'd be me so <laughs> that's the problem and then you know long beach is scarce for parking okay oh, we don't have no, no time for this they yeah. parked a whole ass trash can, big old two ton trash can in a spot in a spot that is that's been ours for yes. years. And they had trash piled up. I was this close to calling the city. <laughs> I know you I was were. this close <laughs> to saying, come get this goddamn trash and fucking send these people a ticket because this is crazy. I can't even park here. I can't even park here on Wednesdays, but they got a trash can parked out here with no tickets on it. <laughs> Where are the tickets at? Where are the tickets? I'm filing a complaint come Monday. No, oh seriously. God. It was getting to that point. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to just see what the hype is about. I live next door. Let's go over there. Let's see what the hype is about. Me and Sadell went a burger. How much do you think the burger costs? How much do you think the burger costs? Listen, you said it's the, it, the first NFT restaurant. Yes. I'm thinking the burger is close to $30. Oh, Okay. The burger was thirteen dollars. That's not bad. Oh, okay, okay, that's okay, okay. I mean, but, but thirteen dollar burger. Okay, hold on. But see, I see what you're thinking. Quality, right? Yes. Ha- first NFT, bitch. They don't even have the audacity to have fucking color coordinated goddamn chairs. They got their people sitting outside in unmatching fucking snatched from the Goodwill chairs that don't have nothing to do with each other. These motherfuckers did not come from the same line of family of chairs and they just tacky. It's like carnival restaurants. They had some uh, last minute people come, <laughs> blow this bitch up, run it, and then they're going to pack it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah, it is a pop up technically. So they are, they're about to pop, pop, pop in a, a city near you. And then you'll be like, oh my God, I heard. But lastly, before I complain about the food, it wasn't that great. Somebody ran, it. rammed their fucking car drunk driving rammed their fucking car into their brand new fence tore everything up there was this close to hitting the the windows and everything else and um i was going to work at like 4 30 in the morning i saw this drunk woman in a club dress on the side of the fucking sideway sideway on the, <laughs> the side <laughs> on the sidewalk car was plopped on top of a fence with like oh, no. five different police officers and i said this has got this got bad energy yep. written all over it mm-hmm. Written all over. Then they had a homeless man run up in there the other day, screaming and hollering, and had every single person running out scared for their life. Because you know why they're not from Long Beach? You got these damn <laughs> out of towners coming up in here, <laughs> taking up our spots, throwing their trash everywhere, taking paparazzi photos, and they don't even know how to conduct um, themselves when a homeless person is on their bullshit. Stay your ass at home. You just gotta ignore those people sometimes, but they we do ran out. <laughs> Anyone from Long Beach or any major city, especially New York, I'm sure they don't even look back. They'd be like, anyway, so can I get my fucking bacon, egg, and cheese, please? Like, this motherfucker has nothing to do with what I have. I have to be somewhere. You know what? That is so, it's sad, but it's a sad (laughs) truth because I've lived in New York and they will ignore these people like, yeah, okay, anyway, so this is just what happens on the fucking two o'clock train. Like, I'm like, y'all don't see this? How could you just, it's like, they're just... (laughs) It doesn't phase them at all. Like, okay, 
yeah, niggas probably off that shit. Like that's literally <laughs> what they mean. <laughs> I swear. So I could just imagine this homeless person coming in and all these white people doing what they do. Out. Man, they was running out there like roaches that just got sprayed down. No, I'm like, the poor. <laughs> like, okay, it's it's not that big of a deal, y'all. It's a Calm fucking down. tourist bop pop up shop, and I'm just like, get me up out of the situation. Yeah. So that's my venti. I'm gonna leave it there before we start this episode for real, for real, because <laughs> this was just the beginning. <laughs> Same, like, God damn, like, when y'all gonna get to it? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did y'all. you have anything to add before we get into it? No, I feel like I got my vent <laughs> off my chest. I'm so sorry for uh, your vent. I know that's annoying. I hope they pack it up and move that shit south somewhere. Um, and if I do see any pictures online with you in it, I promise not to send them to you. Okay, please don't. <laughs> because that would be the last, that would be the 13th reason. I would literally just hop out the fucking window. If somebody ever said, hey, is this you right here? No. <laughs> I would be like, oh, my. I just, I couldn't even imagine what the fuck is on people's phones of me right now. Hopping out of my little bucket, looking crazy. Mm. Let me not, let mm. me, my car has served its purpose since 2016. I'm calling it a bucket. It is not a bucket. It is still pushing. It's still thriving. It's getting me to where I need to go. Okay. The car has been through some shit, but it, it you can't tell. We just know the stories, but you can't tell. It don't look how she's describing it. And it still looks good, but it has been through some shit. It's been we through some understand that. <laughs> yeah, that car has been through some stuff, but starting the show. Okay. Before we get into it, you know, we got to do what? Drop our theme song. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, go ahead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to say it, Shay. You're losing weight. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. It's going to come back on. Okay, let me tell you one more event. I ran into an old, well, she wasn't even my friend. She was a friend of a friend. I ran into an f- old friend at the gym today. And I was like, oh, hey. And she was saying, oh, hey to me. And she was like, I thought that was you. But your face is so small. And I'm like, why do you open that? Is that an opener? I'm like, thank you for that compliment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. what are you trying to say? I was looking like real chubby in the face. Like what's mm-hmm. going on with that? Mm-hmm. I feel it. I don't see it just yet. And I'm going to pretend that you didn't even say that. Because I'm sorry. I know we talked ain't... about our deal that I wasn't supposed to say anything, but you did something where you, you turned your uh, face to the side and, you know, normally I know what you look like from the side. And I was like, hold up. Something's different. You're looking good, girl. I see it. And I saw, I, I want you to come back season two. But, you know, when you start losing weight in your face, sometimes I feel like for me, like my head will look bigger. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, whose head is that? Has my head always been that big? I saw you and I was like, she looks thinner in the face. But then I was like, maybe it's the angle of the camera, you know, something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that angle from the side, that was my confirmation. Like, yeah, you're looking really, really, really good. I'm so proud of you. Thank You've you. You've been so consistent. I have. I really have. And it, you know, I, the friend, I go with two friends actually. And one friend, she be whooping my ass and making me jump rope for 30 minutes. Jump rope for Ooh. 30 whole minutes. And every time I stop, she just kind of looks at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna pick Damn. it back up. Yeah, she's crazy. Call her Cadet Kelly for sure. But yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been putting in the work. I have been up and down with my eating, but what I 
don't do right now is overeat. Like I'm trying to listen to my body. Like when you're full, you're full. Just stop. And I think that also goes, I think we talked about that in our um, all you can eat episode. It's like, you know, as a kid, you're told, finish your food, don't waste food. So that has been my mentality where now I'm an adult. I'm like, you only got to finish this food if you don't want to shit. You pay for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unlearning so, those habits. Yes. 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 So, you know, just trying to do my best out here. Well, I see you. Congratulations on that. I will try to keep the comments to a minimum, but I can't make any promises. I can't Thank make you. any promises. So Thank you for noticing, though. You are welcome, my love. You're looking good. Y'all can't see Shay. I can see her. Okay, she's looking good. Thank you. But let's go ahead and start the show. Let's start the show. I'm Bree. And I'm Shalika. And we are two long-term friends who get together once a week to chat over coffee or tea. Join us as we talk about all things black, white, and in between with With Cafe Confessions. Hey everybody, so we are back. This is our season finale. I have to work on that season finale. Yeah. We have a special episode. Have some tissue boxes nearby. This may be a heavy field episode. Okay. Before we get into it, we just want to start with our triggers. So I'm gonna let Shay take over from this point and you can step in now, my love. Okay, so um we will be talking, well, I will be talking about substance abuse and possibly touching on sexual abuse as well as grief. So if those are topics that you do not want to hear about, please exit stage left. It's okay. We'll see you next season. But for those of you who stayed, I think we can just go ahead and get right into it. Okay. So Shay, what are we talking about today? (sighs) Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my mom um, and this trip that I went on to learn more about her. So last week I went to visit my aunt and that was extremely heavy. I had in my head, you know, how it might have turned out or how it was going to go. And, you know, I, it was surprising. It was surprising. It was a, it was needed. So yeah, I'm going to be talking about my mother and her passing and how I'm dealing with that now. All right. So of course we got to get into the first question, the most obvious. When did your mother pass? My mother passed in December 25th. So Christmas, 2019. Mm. How was that losing her on Christmas? It was hard. It was really hard. I was in New York at the time. I I hit a really rough patch in my life and I am dealing with a lot of regret because I didn't call her that day. Mm. Like I didn't call her to wish her a Merry Christmas and it wasn't because I didn't want to call her. I was just I was dealing with a lot being in New York and One of my friends, you know, she knew that I didn't really have family out there. So she invited me. Well, she actually picked me up and I, and I love her forever for this. I love her so much for this, but see, I'm already starting. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) She picked me up and me and her two kids, we spent Christmas together and it was so, it was so fun. And she really just got me out of that funk. Uh, If you're listening to Sherelle, I want to say I'm forever grateful for you as a friend. So I got back home maybe, I think maybe close to about like seven o'clock. And I was actually on the phone with one of our mutual friends and I just kept getting phone calls, phone calls, people blowing up my phone. And then when I answered, it was my sister-in-law and she was just asking me like, 
you know, hey, where are you right now? Um, are you at home? Like, where are you right now? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm at home. Like, you know, when you start off the conversation like that, I'm already on edge. Like, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And she, I, she paused for a second and she just said, I'm sorry, but your mother passed away. Mm. And I was shocked. I was, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I just got off the phone. I don't even know how I got off the phone, but I was so mad at myself because I didn't call her. Mm. And I still live with that because I'm like, you know, I, 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 it was inevitable. And well, sometimes I think like, you know, if I had called her early in the day, would it have changed the circumstance? I don't believe that now, but at least she would have passed knowing that I checked on her one last time. Hmm. So, um, I mean, I can completely understand how you can feel that way, but you can't control what you don't know. Yeah. Right. And I'm speaking to you and me, you know, and if it makes you feel any better, I live with regret when it comes to my sister's passing. And the last time I spoke to her, she FaceTimed me and me and Sadell were waiting for 45 minutes for our food. So I was very irritated Mm -hmm. and she wanted to talk to me about nothing. Like (laughs) she wanted to go, she was on her way to Vegas and um, she was just talking about this party she was going to and I was like yeah okay girl like have fun be safe but like I was so upset with myself that why didn't you just take the time to dedicate to her like that fucking food was not that important like the day being so hot was not that important for you to be like yeah 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 have fun get off the phone now you know even though I wasn't mean to her I didn't sit there for hours like I probably if I would have known someone said hey this is the last time you're gonna be able to speak to your sister I would still be on that phone call Yeah, today, you know? So I live with that too. So you're not alone in feeling like that. And I think that's something we do with our grief is kind of figure out like, how could I have changed the circumstance or how could I have made it any differently or how can, you know, but yeah. we don't, we can't control <laughs> what we don't know. So yeah. I just want to say that, but back on topic, tell me about this trip with your aunt. So... Ooh, okay. After my mother passed um, at her funeral, my aunt was there. And at the repast, she had pulled me aside and said, you know, if you ever want to know more about your mom, I would be the one to talk to um, my family there from Trinidad. And my mother and my aunt were the two of three children that were actually raised together. Like some, you know, with immigrant families, sometimes they'll send their children to live with other family members or friends who can take care of them while they're in the States um, until they can, you know, save enough money to bring everybody over. So knowing that I, um, I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And after three years, I just, I just randomly called her because I had been thinking about my mom a lot and my aunt's words just kept playing in the back of my head and I was like, if I don't, if I don't do this now, like I may not get that chance. And I learned from my mother, like, you think you have more time, but you don't. So I called her and she told me, she invited me to come up and she lives about three hours away. So I decided to take some time off and I went up there. So <laughs> leading up to this conversation and this trip with her, how are you feeling? I was very nervous. There were a lot of nerves. Um, we both knew the purpose of my visit, but I I really wasn't ready to 
ask questions. And I didn't have like a close relationship to my aunt because she didn't live close. Like, and, and on top of that, I, I felt very abandoned by my family. Um, the last two years of living with my mom, it got really bad. Obviously people who are listening to this, they don't know, but my mother struggled with substance abuse. So I just remember not having family show up for us. It was me, my sister, Kim, my oldest brother, his girlfriend, and their two kids. And my mother was doing fine. She was doing fine. She had just bought a house. And at the time it was my mother, my stepfather, and me and Kim. Well, my stepfather ended up going to jail. And then honestly, that was the last time I saw him. After that, it just got really bad for my mom. So I think she, I don't know at what point she got back into drugs, but she struggled with him. And it's when my brother and his family came to live with us. You know, my mother, she was very absent. And when I saw her, there was a few times I saw her and I, I, I just knew that she had been using. And other times I saw her, she would come in with strangers. That wasn't too shocking to me because my mother always opened up her home to people. We always had people, like if they needed somewhere to stay, like that's just the type of person that she was. But the people that were coming started to look like a little bit on the sketchier side. Mm-hmm. Brother, him being there, he was like, I'm not about to let this happen. But um, at some point, my mother sold her house. I mean, she wasn't living there. She sold the house. But for me, it was like she had no regard about what we were going to do, where we were going to stay. So... My brother, his family, my sister, we all stayed in a Motel 6. I think it was for probably like a month or two just until my brother could get an apartment for us. And then shortly after that, I ended up moving with my second oldest brother. Um, He was fresh in the military. He freshly started his family. I think my brother was probably 26, 27, 28 at the time. Mm. And I stayed with him and his family for two years. My sister-in-law was expecting their second child. I was going to go out there and help, but I was also grieving the loss of my mother. I have always been like a mama's girl. My mother was my best friend. I was attached to her hip. On top of that, I was her only girl at the time. And I was a baby of the family. So, you know, my family likes to refer to me as very emotional, which I am. <laughs> I can't lie. I'm, I I will cry at the drop of a hat and I, I get very emotional, but I was dealing with that. And because I felt like my aunts and some of my family weren't really there, I felt very abandoned by them. So I don't really have too many memories as a young adult, a young teen, or even, you know, even now I don't have too many memories with this particular aunt. So I was nervous and I didn't want those feelings to get in the way because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she did check on us, but I never spoke to her on the phone while I was away. So to me, it was like they didn't care about my family, this this part of the family. Mm-hmm. So when I actually got there, like I said, I hadn't asked her any questions. And thankfully, my aunt is a talker. So she kind of just got Let right it. into it. Yeah. <laughs> she was just like, I know what you want to know. But I'm also going to tell you some things that I feel like you should know. And I also want to tell you about our upbringing, well, their upbringing. 
Um, but I was extremely nervous. I was also nervous because I don't ever want to overstay my welcome. So I wasn't really sure like how long I should stay. And originally I was going to stay for a week, but I was like, let me just stay for five days. I know it's like only two days short, but I was like, let me just stay for five days. And if, you know, if it doesn't go as planned or if I feel uncomfortable, <clears throat> sorry, if I feel uncomfortable in any way, I could just go home. And that was another reason why I decided to drive instead of flying out that way. Yeah. So you can leave at your will. Yeah. And I just want to say, and this is not to speak um, in a, a negative way or light towards your aunt, but it's so interesting how people who've gone through some type of trauma or an experience with a parent who maybe was not as available as we need them to be. Yeah. Right. Even though you said you and your mom are best friends, you were attached to her hip. She also had this disease that left her a little bit unavailable. Yeah, you know, to be readily available as a parent, we automatically think we're a burden on somebody. And oh, yeah. you're over here stepping in the door, already thinking about, well, when am I gonna have to step out? Right. So I feel like I just want to give you acknowledgement that, like, that is seems like it's a trauma response, and I can completely understand how you could feel that way because you're like, okay, how how long is this gonna last? When is other yeah. when is other shoe gonna drop? So you're already going into it with these anticipations this nervousness, this air of mystery on top of your own doubts and fears about how you're going to be perceived, if they care about you, if they love you, and if you're going to be hitting the door before you expect it. That is exactly how I feel, how I felt for a very long time. You know, like I said, my mother struggled with substance abuse. It wasn't just in the past. She struggled, at least from in my life that I can remember. I know that she struggled prior to me being born and probably even while I was a child, but I didn't know that at a certain point she was clean. So for her to struggle when I was 12, 13 years old and then pass away when I was 29, she struggled for all of those years. Mm -hmm. And I went a long time without living with her, without seeing her with a phone call being our only interaction. And that wasn't even, it wasn't really consistent. And I, I lived with plenty of people. I lived with my brother, like I said, I live with my aunt. I lived with friends and family and you're always going to feel like the outsider. It's like, mm. you all are moms, but you're not my mom. Right. And if my mom was in her right state of mind, if she didn't have these struggles, I would be with her. I would be with her. I have a question for you with your, you made a statement about, you know, this 20, 29 years and how often she was clean. Did you ever feel like there was going to be time? Like you had time to repair this relationship, time to get those years back in some way. And those, t that time was just snatched from you. Oh, absolutely. I, um, in my head, she used before and she got clean before. So she was going to get clean. And I know that we've talked about struggling with abuse, uh, substance abuse, and people always tell you, you can't help people. You have to allow them to get to rock bottom so they will want to get that help. But the problem with that was my mother always was getting help and she was always hitting rock bottom. But the things that she experienced in her childhood, the things that she experienced in her romantic relationships, the things that she experienced you know, from my stepfather, I think all of those were stronger than her wanting to get help. Mm. Like my mother used 
substances to forget. Mm -hmm. And when you're just dealing with so much trauma and just so much depression, sometimes I feel like you don't really care whether you live or die. And I truly believe that was her mindset. And then, you know, rest, you know, may your mother's soul rest in peace. Um, And I'm not trying to speak for her. But when you said that, you know, all these things were harder to deal with than um, getting clean. When you add that getting clean factor on top of that, then there comes the, I have all of this other shit, spiritual and emotional shit that I'm going through. And then I have to get clean and now I have to take responsibilities for the shit that I've done during this period of time when I was not in my right mind. So that's Mm -hmm. another layer. So when we talk about addiction, it's not just so easy to walk away because they're afraid of the repercussions that they're going to have to be responsible for while they were in active addiction. Yeah. And if somebody has a hard time dealing with the past, how are you going to expect them? Not you. I'm speaking to the guests. um, Well, to the, the podcast listeners, but it's hard for them to take ownership on top of the already struggle and depression and anxiety they have. Right. Yeah. And it's easier for me to look at your situation and see that than it is to look at my own. And thank you for opening my eyes to that because you, I, I can't speak for you, have this layer of resentment towards the person who um, is in my family that has active addiction. Because it's just like, I just want you to be better. Like, I just want it to be, I want to see you not suffer. I want to see, you know, your children not suffer. I just want it to be fixed already. Yeah. And we're here <laughs> 10 years later going through the same thing that we were going through at point one. And then sometimes you're clean and sometimes you're in rehab. And sometimes I'm just like, I just miss having this individual be what they were supposed to be for me and my life and for yeah. everybody else. And you're just waiting for it to happen. And that sometimes in your situation didn't happen. So yeah. you're dealing with all of this. So, before we dive into it anymore, can you tell me what the relationship was between your mother and your aunt? Um, so the relationship between them, my aunt was the older child. So she was the one that was basically responsible for my daughter, my daughter, <laughs> for my mother. She mm. was like a daughter to a child, basically. Mm. Um, but they were very close, you know, maybe that just, I mean, on top of it being that they were in the house together, um, I think that they just had a genuine connection. She really loved my mom and my mom really loved her. And did your mom talk about her when you were growing up? She did. My aunt at a certain point in time, um, she was military and then she became ex-military and then her husband was military. So where I went to go visit her, that's actually um, where they were stationed and that's about three hours away. So we didn't visit them often, but when they got together, it was very much, you could see how happy my mom was. This is a sister that she doesn't really get to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And it's also not a sister that's wanting anything from her, just only the best for her. And I, I truly feel like that was a sister. If she lived closer, they would have been a lot closer than my other aunt who was maybe like 15 minutes away. I know every, you know, every family, they have their issues, but I feel like there was a lot of strife between them. But the relationship with my aunt, I know that she really saw, she saw my mother and she knew that she had to protect her. But she also said that my mother was a little bit of a spoiled brat. <laughs> like, 
I mean, I'm sure every sister relationship sees the other sister as being some type of spoiled or high maintenance or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's always this air of competition between siblings in some way. But okay, that, that is awesome. Because I would always think to myself, you know, if my sister had the opportunity to live, luckily, I still have a sister. But like, how would they perceive me as an adult? Like, how would they perceive our childhood together? You know, what would our relationship like? What would their conversations with their children be about the importance of sibling relationship? You know, yeah, I just always think about that. So it's, it's really interesting to hear a grown person's perspective on a sibling relationship. Okay. So with this situation that took place, did you feel like, you know, this experience brought you closer to your aunt? Um, I would say so. I felt like I learned a lot. I felt like when I was there, my, I could catch, I would catch my aunt looking at me and she would just smile. Probably seeing your mom and you. I look just like my mom. Yeah. (laughs) She kept saying that. But it's funny because she looks just like my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So when she would say, oh, you look just like my sister. You even smile like her. You even wear your hair like her. You even have her shape, like stuff like that. And then I would just look at her and I'd be like, yeah, you look so much like grandma. Like you are literally grandma's twin. And I, I learned a little bit more about my aunt and nervousness that I had when I was originally going to make this plan and then once I got there it kind of started to fade I would describe my aunt as blunt she's very blunt (laughs) (laughs) but I also feel like that comes with being an immigrant like the communication is just different and it's not them being rude they're just direct people here in the U.S. we sugarcoat a lot we try to soften things up whereas them it's like no this is what it is Mm mm-hmm I felt like my my grandmother was like that. My mom was definitely like that, but she was a little bit more Americanized. So she could be like that, but she could also be very sweet and very mm-hmm. comical. Um, I would say she was definitely her sister's protector. And she even told me, she said, you know, if your mother, if the circumstances were different and I had to choose any sibling to live with, everyone knows that only your mother could come live with me. Mm-hmm. That's it. But then she also told me some things that I knew, but hearing it from a family member that you don't often talk to kind of really solidified it. Colorism runs deep in my family. Internalized racism runs very deep in my family. And the reason why, you know, she had to wait on my mother was because my grandmother considered my mother her white child. Mm-hmm. She was, yeah, she was a light-skinned woman. And, you know, I've had this conversation with my grandmother before. Like, why do you, why are you so mean to black people? I mean, my grandmother is probably a little bit darker than me. My grandfather was probably my complexion. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand it. And she would always tell me my grandmother was from Ireland and she didn't allow me to play with any of the black children. Mm -hmm. I wish that my grandmother knew what that did to her kids. Because she put my mother on this high pedestal and made everyone basically aware of it. This is my attractive child and you are my ugly black child. Mm. It hurts because I look at I look at my aunts and I look at my mother and they're so beautiful. Mm. But they didn't have someone pouring into them. They didn't have someone constantly reassuring them. Yeah. There was a lot of competition within the household. I just wanted to say 
it sounds to me like your grandmother was projecting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book that I'm going to recommend you read or anyone who's gone through this. It's called The Darkest Child by Dolores Phillips. I'm actually just donating this book tomorrow to the Goodwill and it came to mind. Um, but it's about a family. It's a novel. And the woman who's writing it, narrating it is the darkest child out of like seven children. And the way that they treat her is completely different than everyone else in the house. So it's the opposite end where yeah. everyone else is pretty much a little bit lighter and she's the darkest child um, as of your mom being the lightest one, everyone else yeah. kind of being darker, but it's self-hatred that runs so deep. And that is a novel that kind of depicts that. So please yeah. continue on. I would say that I'm not going to go into too many details about what my aunt said and how she was treated. I don't want to speak on something that she doesn't want me to speak on or that she didn't give me permission to speak on. But I will say that I just wish that my grandmother did better. I wish that she poured more into her kids. And though my mother was skinned one of her light-skinned children, I felt like she still went through a lot of struggling with her own image. When I look back to it, I could see it as an adult, like her not being able to accept her beauty because of what that beauty has brought her. She didn't think she was beautiful and she died believing no one loved her. There's a lot of generational hurt in my family. There's a lot of strife that happened in my family. And there's a lot of women that have to bear and bury that hurt for the sake of survival. And a lot of this resonates with me because I realized in so many ways I am so much like her. And for a long time, I didn't want to accept that. I felt like though my mother didn't put me on a pedestal for my complexion, she absolutely put me on a pedestal for being her only cis woman child. I think I I talked to you about this, but when we had that conversation about friendships and not wanting to overshine and not wanting to be noticed, I was thinking, you know, maybe this is because, you know, I've had friends who get a little bit envious when I'm just being me. But I absolutely think it started with I was being treated one way and Kim was being treated another way. So for me, it's like, I don't want to accept gifts. I don't want to accept praise and love because you're not giving this to my sister. Yeah. So So in a way, your grandmother's thought process kind of trickled down to your mom's thinking process, but just changing that from skin tone to maybe how we identify sexual or sexual orientation or biological Mm -hmm. orientation. Absolutely. Mm. I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I'm sorry that you felt like, you know, in order to protect your sister out of love and kindness and care and straight sacrifice that you had to give up on the things that, you know, the great things that were coming to you because you felt enough compassion to say, Hey, something's there's a bit of an unjust behavior going on here. So therefore I will sacrifice my gifts or whatever it is to make sure my sister doesn't feel left out. Yeah. You know, so I commend you. That's an amazing sister that you are for her. And I'm sure that was very hard for you to deal with. Absolutely. I think it's still hard to deal with because the relationship is still different and I don't know why, but I feel like it's something in the bloodline that my family has been cursed with. And like I said, this is, it's generational, but there are people in my family who are just evil for no reason. Mm. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I'm just, um, I don't want to just be throwing out stuff, but there's this concept called soul contracts. Have you ever heard of that? I have, um, but I'm not too, too familiar with it. So a soul contract is basically, if you believe, um, just open your minds just for a second, that before we come here, have you ever seen that movie Soul? No, I haven't. So I I love them. So great things. (laughs) So good. So before we come to Earth, we're souls, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of get in this movie, you kind of get to pick your personality, your talents, um, your downfalls. Like, are you Mm -hmm. too angry or too too anxious? And you get to pick out all these traits that make you you, and then they drop you in to your body. And you're a person. So and that's the same kind of concept of a soul contract in a sense. Like when I get down here, I'm committed to being angry. When I get down here, I'm, you know, committed to being, you know, sorry to say, but like a child molester for whatever. Mm-hmm. You have these contracts and some of those contracts can be transferred right through the bloodline, like you mentioned. And it's this family contract and these soul ties and all this stuff. So there's this concept that some people have these ideas that soul ties exist. And for you to say that you feel like something happened within your family, you know, kind of kind of leans in towards that. Maybe there's some type of soul contract. I would definitely look into it. Maybe having some type of past life regression to see if you could kind of meet yourself on different planes to get more information. I know I'm getting all woo-woo, but <laughs> this is stuff that actually <laughs> exists and that people wonder is like, what's going on through my lineage? Something is there. Yeah. So you could be onto something with this. And I'm off my woo-woo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't be off. I think um, it makes sense. I don't know who scorned who in the past, but it's it's generational. And I don't want to experience half of what my mother experienced. Mm. I wouldn't want to experience that. I wouldn't wish that on my divorce enemy. I wouldn't want to experience half of what my sister experienced because her experience was not a good one. And, you know, it's hard. It has been hard for us to have a loving relationship. We try, we definitely try, but it's, I think it just goes back to how I was feeling earlier, what I said earlier about feeling abandoned by this family. Granted, you know, I know that when you have kids, those are your kids' responsibility, but you know, that's saying it takes a village. And I couldn't see my sister having kids out here and they just end up in the world and I don't check on them. And I don't know what's going on with their life. Yeah, I, I don't see that for myself. Because you know what that feels like in a yeah. sense, right? So you Absolutely. have the now active thought process to not do that. And someone else could be like, oh, I don't. That's all I know, you know, which is why we got to do this shit that we're doing right now. Yeah. Have these hard conversations that we're having. Yeah. right now and i just wish i had more words to kind of give you comfort during this time i'm so sorry that i don't have them it's okay i um i feel like with me even talking about this like it's really hard like i didn't know if i would even be able to get through sentences because these are things that have happened to me that have happened to my family that stories that just live within our family And that's all they have been. Like, they've just been living within our family. And I just hope that by me even talking about this, maybe someone else feels comfortable or confident enough to speak up on the things that have happened to them. Because I truly feel like those experiences have shaped me. 
though they were negative, I feel like I came out a pretty positive person. Yeah. Because I could have been on the other side of that. It's commendable for you to put that amount of work to say, it would be easy for me to fall into what I know, but I'm choosing different. And what are what you're doing is you're breaking these generational contracts and these curses. When we say generational curses, really it's contracts that we've committed ourselves to. Yeah. And um, really quickly, I had to look up the soul contract meeting. So I just want to give it a definition. So it says, soul contracts are agreements that you enter into pre-birth. Before this contract is created, your spirit guides empower you to decide which life lesson scenarios are going to enable your soul to evolve. These choices then formulate the basis of your soul contract. So it sounds like a blanket statement, but when you think deeply about that of, for example, we have this colorism issue in your family. Mm-hmm. And if everyone is committed to this colorism issue until someone like you comes along and says no more. I chose to have this family to break this curse so so my soul can evolve and then my children's soul can evolve. And it's work. You're out here doing God's work. Do you hear me? Like, Mm -hmm. this is work that you're doing, actively choosing to think differently. That takes a lot of strength to say, I'm born with the same blood that everyone else here comes from, but I choose, no, I choose different. So I love you for that. If I have any more questions, I will come back to it because okay. that that is really intriguing to me. But do you feel like you gained the clarity that you were looking for with this conversation and this trip? I think I did to a certain extent. You know, losing someone that you love is really hard. But when you lose a mom, it's like you just feel lost. And I know for a while, you know, I I felt like I lost my mom. Because she wasn't the same person. She wasn't that person that I always looked up to. And I dealt with a lot of resentment. I dealt with a lot of harboring anger and then guilt. And then a lot of the self-blaming. Like, what did I do to cause this? Why can't she get better for me? You were always there for me. Why why can't you just pull it together now? I dealt with a lot of that. And I've had a lot of mother figures in my life, but it's not the same. You always feel like that outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. You do. And I mean, I'm going to step in while you get your emotions together. You absolutely do feel like an outsider. There was a point in time where I didn't live with my mom for years. And I moved around a lot because me and my mom just could not make it work. And I used to see other moms treat their kids like with the love that I wish I was getting. And I would just be like, all this love that you're giving to me and your children is great, but it's just not enough because you're not my mom. I don't know. You just have this emptiness of like, if only if I just wish that things could go differently. I just wish. And it's like you spend a lot of time kind of questioning like, well, why them and not me? You know, and (laughs) for me, I did. And I had to realize, I don't know. I don't know what that struggle is. In that dynamic, I could see this person being extremely loving, but who knows, you know, what, how they really feel about it. And it took a long time for me to understand, like, everyone's got their own struggle, whatever it was. But something about having your mom's love as a woman, as a black woman, I feel like we always have the hardest relationship with our moms. It's so common amongst black young women to have some type of struggle. And you're sitting here saying your mom was extremely perfect, but this disease was just the thing that separated you. So you got blessed with a great hand with a loving mother, 
But then your struggle was this. And somebody could have had a sober mom and was missing out on some emotional connection. It's just never within our within our community. It's just it's it's hard to see our sisters kind of go through this when I just wish if we had the mother daughter connection that we should have, we could heal a lot of trauma, a lot of pain. We could break a lot of curses because we're birthed in this nation of black men and women. It comes from us. So if we're missing out on a void and a connection with our mother and we're passing that down to our children, that's a generational curse itself. That's a cultural curse. Shit. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to um, make you upset. But no, you're fine. It's a it's a lot with it's a lot of healing that needs to be done within the collective. And um, and when I say this, like I don't want to say that my grief is above anyone else's, but I feel like when you lose your mom, you truly just lose that person, that gatekeeper of information, that person that's supposed to show you the ropes, tell you what to do next. And I feel lost. I I truly feel lost out here sometimes because. I'm 31 years old and I've had to teach myself a lot. Mm. And I wish I had, I wish I had my mother to tell me, you know, what do I do here? Like, what do I do in this relationship? What do I do? Like, how would you have handled this? Like I see stuff online and, you know, when people post their mom and things that they're out doing with their mom and even the few weddings that I've been to. And I see like the mom right there running things i know that would have been mine yeah it's almost like there's this grief for not just your mom but the life that you could have had with her in it you know the 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 moments that you were supposed to share with her yeah on top of just like you said the knowledge and that wisdom and maybe even just down to her recipes you know that never came to full term and I definitely think it's a process that you're going through you're you're grieving a whole entire life it's going to take years to get through fully and you'll still have work to do you'll still have a hole there yeah you know and I'm sorry I don't know what it feels like to lose a mom I can only imagine how you feel and the fact that you said that you feel lost you know I just wish I could hug you. I wish we would have recorded this episode <laughs> in person. I really do. I really do. I want to pick up where we left off with, you know, did you get the clarity that you were looking for? You said sort of, kind of, you were kind of. Yeah. What What was it that you felt you were missing to get that full clarity? I know that, you know, the, the conversation with my aunt barely scratched the surface of who my mother was. And there were some things that I heard that I wasn't ready to hear. And I'm not going to lie, it kind of made me angry to hear some of the things. It's like, thank you for, and not just with that, but the information that she gave me and even just spending the time with her was really nice, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I don't have my mother here. And it's like, I'm learning all these things about her, but I still wish my mom was here. Like, and don't get me wrong. I had such an amazing time with my aunt. I spent so much time with her those five days. We we baked bread. I baked bread for the first time. <laughs> we did a lot of cooking. 
and she playfully complained like, oh, you're going to kill me. You got me in here cooking this and this. I don't even cook this much. And I was like, but I want to learn everything. <laughs> I want to learn how to make curry. I've never learned how to make curry. So she taught me how to make curry. Um, also, speaking on bread, bread is a process. Oh, yeah. My gosh, it's a process. So if you are making bread, don't go nowhere for the whole day because that is literally your day. <laughs> But um, we were in her garden and oh my God, I have to send you pictures. Her garden is crazy. Like, and she's the one tending this. I got like six houseplants, two of them I can't even keep alive for the life of me. <laughs> and this woman's garden is seriously booming. Like she sent me home with a few aloe plants, um, some geranium um, and a few like succulents. And she gave me like one of her favorite plants and the plant's name is delicate. And she's very delicate. Like you have to be careful when you're picking up like some of her leaves because she will, it will just snap off. So, Oh gosh. Yeah. So we did that. And she likes a lot of uh, international shows, which kind of surprised me because I like international movies. Like what? So, what are we talking about? Give me examples. Um, she was watching like a lot of Korean dramas. Really? Yeah. She. she okay. Man. We love her. International queen. She worldly. Okay. She yes. Like yes. This. She was like, oh, you know, I just finished watching like like it was like one African sitcom and then she there were so many Korean dramas that she watched. We started this other one and it was a series based in India. It was really good, but I didn't finish it. I think it was called like Ma or something. So we're watching that. I'm reading subtitles. It's like I this is my thing. Like I like doing this. I don't have a problem with reading subtitles. So just to know there's someone else in your family that does that as well. And you probably like, got that from her. Right. Girl, that's so her blood. that's you'll be here like I do that too. No, she do that and she gave it to right. you. What you like mean? I started this, ma'am. Okay. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, thank you. That's Auntie show it up. Okay. Yeah. And then at um one point I even, you know, braided her hair. She had just washed her hair and I was like, Oh, do you want me to braid your hair down for you? And so I did that and that was bittersweet because I'm having all these moments with her and I really wished it was my mom. So I am so appreciative of it. Like I, I, like I said, I had a really great time. And on top of learning so much about my mom, I learned so much about her. I'm just happy that I got to experience that. But then I just started getting emotional because I'm like, oh, like how long do I have her before she leaves this earth too? So I did get some clarity. I did. I did have a good moment. I had good moments, but it was it was tough. Yeah, being in a space where it's just like you're you're an active placeholder, and I love you. You know, thank you. Yeah, but I still have that longing. Yeah, for my mother. And you know what? I say that honors just how much you loved your mom, just how much of an impact she had on your life, just oh, how God, much yeah. a part of you that she is. That nobody is going to replace her. That's a testament to mom. Yeah. And I'm not a therapist, but I really truly believe that that, that love that you have for her is so irreplaceable because you cared about her tremendously. Everyone will be a placeholder, you know, for a filler position, but that position is hers. Yeah. That's an amazing mom, faults and all. I felt like she put my mind at ease a lot too because just from what I experienced, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids. Like I, I thought about it and, you know, like, I think, 
I would love having kids, but I'm nervous as hell because you are responsible for little humans who will turn into teenagers, who turn into adults and how you raise them really determines the type of person that they will be. So that was a lot of pressure. And I don't think in a million years, my mom thought, yeah, when Saquon, they call me by my middle name, Saquana, um, when Saquana's 21, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm going to be right there drinking with her. You know, like, I don't think in a million years, she thought it would be the complete opposite that we would just have this disconnect in our relationship. And she was still battling depression. I don't think that's what her mindset was. So I don't know. I I could be a a great parent now, but who's to say I'll be that same great parent 15, 20, 30 years from now. And she put my mind at ease a lot. And on top of my worry, I'm not too trusting of men because of what happened to me as a kid. And I don't know if I would be so overprotective that I end up raising some scary children who don't trust people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, so it was a lot. It was a lot that, uh, you know, that I, I struggled with. And she told me that she had those same feelings. You know, you just have to make sure that you speak to your kids often. You have to allow them to make their own mistakes and learn life. But while they're in your care, you, you are their protector. And as long as you want to do a great job, you will, they will be looked after. And it's not just, it wouldn't just be me. And that felt a little bit more comforting as well, because I do feel like between family, friends, I feel like if I had kids, they would be protected a hundred percent. That was, um, that was some great advice. Yeah, it was. That was some awesome advice. And I, I received that advice as well. Thank you for sharing that. Because yeah. I've been saying since we met, I don't want no damn kids. <laughs> seriously, anyone that knows me it's like, but you, you, you don't want kids. Like you're such a nurturer. You're such a, mm-hmm. you're such a great mom. But that's the thing. I am so terrified of not being the best mom that I would just rather not be. Yeah. Because God forbid I bring a kid into this world and I fuck their life up. Yeah. Because kids are people. They're not mm-hmm. just children. These are actual impressionable, mm-hmm. impressionable adults, you know, that yeah. are just in these little tiny bodies for a moment. Right. But they're whole people. And yeah. like, <laughs> you got to keep, I don't think people keep that in mind. Uh-huh. Like, this is an active, willing adult in the future. Like he's just in this little body right now. So I've been afraid to have kids. And of course it's inevitable. You're going to make mistakes. There's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? You you can't, it's impossible. But as long as you really want to try hard, like she said, keeping a line of communication open, allowing them to kind of make their own life decisions. then that's as pretty close to perfect as you can get. So thank you, auntie. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know uh, we're moving to our ending section of questions are you ready for that or did you have any okay so you have a question here that says was therapy ever talked about in your family i have talked to my mother about therapy and she shut it down she said that they make you remember and you don't want to remember you want to forget Mm. And I never told anyone about that conversation that I had, 
when I was talking to my aunt about my mom, she was telling me that she got in just from her childhood. And when she came to the States, she had this best friend and the best friend's mom were also substance abusers. And they are the ones that introduced her to it and basically said, you know, if you want to forget, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. And that has always been her thing. She doesn't want to relive it. She wants to forget what happened. Can I say something to that? Oh, the power of what you just said, that energy just shifted all up in here. Think about somebody who is hurting and actively trying to get someone addicted because they're so miserable Mm -hmm. that they're like, I don't want to be in this misery alone. How can I convince you that this is exactly what you need? Yeah. Let me say the thing that you want to hear. Oh, I'm confiding. Your mom probably confiding in this person. I'm having a hard time with whatever she's struggling with. Oh, you want to forget? Here's a way. That person opened up a part of her mind that was going to be something she could never close. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that energy just shifted up in here in this conversation and shame on that person. And also grace to that person as well, because we don't know what their situation was. But if you heard that in your mom's predicament and it actually did work for you, of course, it would be easier to fall into addiction. Yeah. And there's grace for your mom in that, you know, but this is a cycle. This cycle of abuse that we're talking about with drugs is so deep. It runs so deep. It's not just I'm trying to have a good time and party. Yeah. Like people make it seem. I was up in the club for too long and now I can't stop, you know, gotta go. No, sometimes, and I'm not trying to make a joke, but (laughs) sometimes (laughs) people are looking for a moment of relief from this life that we are constantly suffering in. Others can deal with the stuff and say, okay, I'm gonna chuck it up to life. And some people are like, that one right there was too much for me. I can't do that. Okay. So, wow. I just... That conversation was really hard for me. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's getting me emotional. But there was just something in that message, even from it coming down from you. That was deep. I feel that. Um, ooh, I'm going to have to You're stay right. up in here because that person's energy is that's up okay. okay. Like, is that, is that not crazy? Do you not yeah. feel that? When she, when she told me that, I was so angry. Why would you introduce her to that? Why, like, why would that be your answer? Mm. Oh, here, just, just do this. You'll be fine. Someone that you, and it's just like, we don't know. Do you know that dynamic with that relationship? The friend was her friend for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I do know that when she passed, one of my aunts called me and said, oh, you know, you know, she still lives out there. She can come check on you. And I didn't want her to, like, I didn't. And I think that was why, and I'm glad I didn't because had I been vulnerable and cried in this woman's arms, I probably would have flown out there and wanted to kill this woman. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get it. Like my mother was her own person. She made, she made her own choices. You know, you can't force somebody, but you being the person to introduce her to something is like, you, you got a hand in this. Oh yeah. Her hand was so deep in it that I, it slapped me across my face right now. <laughs> Like, that's what I'm trying to explain. Yeah. Like, that was, I'm sure a lot of other people felt a shift come through the mic when you said that. Her hand was so deep in this that I felt what you just felt. I yeah. felt angry. And I had to check myself and be like, okay, 
woo, we got to give, you know, we got to give grace on all ends because it's easy to be like, fuck you. You deserve nothing. But hurt people hurt people. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for her. I truly felt with the energy that I got was I am so miserable. I've already been in this for so long. Here you are in my arms weeping to me. And this is the perfect opportunity for me not to feel by myself. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect opportunity for me to finally open up my world to you. And I don't have to walk in this life by myself. It was completely coming from a selfish standpoint because anyone actively listening to her would say something from a place of love, care, and concern of how do we get you healthy? Yeah. But a healthy, unhealthy person can't give healthy advice sometimes. No. Right? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> come on now. All right. I don't want nobody um, teaching me up in school that ain't went to school themselves. So, right. wow. But yes, her hand is very deep in this. So you are valid in your feelings. I'm going to validate you because I felt you. I felt that. Um, ooh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. This is just too much y'all i can't even deal with this i feel like i've just been tapping into some gifts and i've been able to feel things that i've never felt before and that right there that was literally empathic i don't know i don't know i'll I'll talk about that another day so um are you currently in therapy right now i am not um i was in therapy maybe three years ago and it was really it was really helpful and I felt like I was being heard and I had a space to just cry and I was given some very useful tips. But at the time, you know, my mother was still alive and I was dealing with a lot of anger towards her and not wanting to be around her. And that's kind of what the, ser- the therapy sessions were about. So now it's like, I almost feel guilty. Like, oh, you want to now you want to go to therapy and tell them how much you miss your mom. But that's I'm not completely writing it off. I'm just I'm a suppressor. And when I get a moment and I because it happens almost every day, I think I there's a mo- there's not a moment in the day that I don't have a thought about my mom and instantly just cry for a little bit. But I haven't really been able to deal with that grief. And I don't know what that's going to be like when it's time to really sit down and just talk about it. So I'm not in therapy right now, but I am planning on getting back into it. Okay. Words of encouragement. Yes, you do deserve to go and talk (laughs) about how much you miss your mom. (laughs) It doesn't matter how upset you are. You are dealing with an active person in addiction, active addiction. Your feelings are valid then. Your feelings are valid now. You know, I'm not trying to sound preachy, but I just want you to know, like, it is okay to go back up in there and you should not feel a single ounce of guilt because Shay, who was dealing with an active person in addiction, did what she needed to do at that time to survive. Shay dealing with active grief is doing what she needs to do to survive. And then you have this Shay over here who's waiting for you, who is going to heal through this stuff. And like you said, you said something that resonated with me that I've been dealing with this grief for so long. And I almost felt like, who are you without this grief now that you've been dealing with it for so long? Do you have an yeah. answer for who that might be? Or are you actively, is this who you are and you're comfortable in this grief and you're kind of afraid of losing that? Does that make sense? No, I get you. I'm not comfortable in this grief. I want to be able to talk about it and not to say like, I don't want to have any feelings towards it, but I want to be able to get through a full sentence without wanting to break down. But I 
I don't feel like I've fully forgave myself and I know my feelings are valid, but like I said earlier, my mother, I felt my, I felt like my mother died thinking that we didn't love her. And I can't, I can't forgive myself for that because I cared about the moment so much. She was my favorite person. Yeah. And I just wish things were different. I really do. Can I pick your brain again? Yeah. What would you, what would you say in the scenario of your mom transitioning out of this life of suffering into a space of clarity of like, oh, I finally, I finally can release whatever I was holding on to in this space that I'm in right now. And now that I'm here in this space, I can see how much my children loved me. I can see how much my children miss me. And I want them to be able to still live the life that they deserve to live, even with me on this other side, because I'm okay now. Yeah. How would you feel if you heard that? I would be so happy. And, you know, my sister actually had a dream about my mom where she said that Girl. my mother visited her and apologized to my sister and basically told her to tell us that she's okay. What would you say if I would say... That your mom's presence is up in here right now, girl. Like, <laughs> I don't know your mom. I've never met her. I've never met her. Do you hear me? Yeah. And you sometimes, your angels be showing up. <laughs> I didn't know that conversation happened. Yeah. You know, but I genuinely feel like whatever was tying your mom down to this life was very hard for her. It was difficult. Extremely hard. Yeah. And she was ready to let it go. I'm not saying she was ready to pass on, but she was ready to let go of that hurt and pain. Yeah. And where she's at, right? If she's happy there, if she can be the best mom and the best version of herself there for you and guide you in this life the way that she is now, would that be enough for you to say, I can think about my mom without breaking down, without feeling guilty, without being mad at myself? I think that would be enough. Okay. So that's your message, babe. Look at the work you're doing. You saying that my aunt even told me that though she misses my mom when she got the call that she passed, that she was relieved because of everything that you just said, because her life was not easy. And she has, she just has so much, just so much that broke her down as a person that my aunt was actually happy that she finally passed and could move on. Mm -hmm. That her spirit could move on mm -hmm. and not be bound to that. Yeah. And I just want to pick your brain one more time. Oh, y'all, I know this is probably hard to listen to for some of y'all out there. And I'm not trying to make it harder, but I am just trying to have an open dialogue about this. So when we think about somebody who's suffering from a disease that is terminal, and we say, okay, this person is suffering. When do we want them to gracefully exit out of here? Because we don't want to see them suffering anymore. Could that be the same compassion that you can have for your mother and say, she was suffering. She didn't want to do this anymore, right? It was She was tired of suffering. Is that okay to say and give that same thought process to somebody who we would say is comatose laying in the bed on their way out? to your mother, even though she's active and walking around, was she really fully present, right. right? Was she really fully here? And sometimes when I think about people who are so deep in their drug addiction or addiction in general, they're realistically closer to 
the other side than we would like to admit. They're in this in-between phase, right? And I, I know this is going to sound woo-woo, and if it's crazy, cut it out. But when you are so active in your addiction for so long, you're not fully living, right? You're in this, does that make sense? Yeah. You're in this space of like this limbo yeah. between life and something else because you're not here. And what if she was like, I am just ready to be out of this limbo because I, I can't, I can't enjoy either side where I'm at right now. Yeah. Nothing's working for me. Yeah. Let me know if I'm overstepping my boundaries. No, please. I don't feel like, I don't, I don't feel like you are. I think, um, I do absolutely think that you're right. She used as an escape and to cope and it may not be my method of choice, but it was her method. And she struggled. Like you said, she struggled for so long. What eats me away is that I can live with her passing. I just, I just wanted her to know that I loved her. Mm. And Shay, she does know that. She does know that. And I know you said you wanted a mother's wisdom and love. Think about this. You don't have kids, right? Your mom birthed you. She literally built you from scratch. <laughs> okay. She built you from scratch. There's it's impossible for her not to know that you love her. Impossible. I feel like your mom knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Girl, seriously. And there's times, just to give you an example, where my mom will say something and I'll be like, how did you know that about me? <laughs> I'm your mom. You know, like... Things And I'm just like, why would you even hold on to that piece of information? Things I have never even said out loud that she just observes and picks up on. That's my mom. She know me before I knew me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, she absolutely knew that you loved her. And it's easier said than done when I'm on this side and you're on that side of things. Because if it was my sister right now, I would be like, yes, but, you know, but no, I am telling you. Your mom knows. Your mom knows. Still is actively in the know that you guys love her. <laughs> I'm serious. And then I just want to bring up one more thing. When your grandmother had passed away, remember that hummingbird? Yeah. Right? That was following you around. <laughs> and you were like, yeah. is this my grandmother? Yes. That was your grandmother. She had so much power to do that for you. To give you some comfort. Let your mom show up for you spiritually. And the part that you need to do in order to get there is to forgive yourself for thinking she doesn't know that you love her. She knows. She's still with you. Literally this close. <laughs> hey, something that comforts me when I think about my sister is my time will get there. I will be with her again. But right now I'm here just doing what I got to do. Whatever that mission is that I was given, whatever that contract is that I got to break, whatever it is, once I do that, then I'm done with this place and I'll be right there with her. So, babe, she waiting on you, okay? Your time <laughs> right now, she's guiding you in the way that she can, the best way. Yeah. The signs that you see, the feelings that you get, the smells that pop up, the music that comes on, you know what I'm saying? The food yeah. that you crave, that's your mother. And I, I, it's not a replacement. It's not a replacement for the actual physical. But that spiritual realm is some real shit. 
seriously, have you ever thought, and I know this is not on the outline, but I'm asking away, have you ever thought about speaking to a medium ever? I haven't actually. Is that something you'll be willing to do? I wouldn't be opposed to it. Okay. And I only say that because I was like, hell no. When someone asked me, <laughs> like, I'm scared. I'm scared. Oh, no, I, no. I think I am a little afraid, but I feel like anything that you don't know much about is going to be scary. Yes, girl. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was for real. And I was like, never. I just never thought about it, even though I lost my grandmother when I was 11. And I think about her every day, you know, but I was like, I don't know. And then when my sister passed, I was desperate and I wasn't like desperate enough in my eyes to be like, hey, mediums, hey, mediums, call and look at my phone book. This medium, I was blessed enough to have a medium reach out to me through a family friend and say, like, I felt like you needed some clarification. Of course, I was skeptical. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Let's see what you're going to come up with, you know? And, like, I purposely did not give out any information because I wanted to figure out how much is this person going to be able to conjure up. I was skeptical. (laughs) I'm using the word conjure up, okay? As a derogatory. (laughs) And, you know, when we started our call, first off, it was over the phone. So I was kind of like, hmm, you ain't seen my face. You don't have no photos. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. And she started saying some things that I was like, okay, hold up. This is not basic information. This is some really deep stuff, even down to the way that she passed. My sister passed away in a car accident. And um, if you don't mind, is this is this taken away from you? No, not at all. Okay. My sister had passed. This is how deep it goes. Let me go back real quick. My sister had passed away in a car accident at 19, 2020. When I was 19 years old, my car stopped on the freeway in the middle of the night on a Friday. And a car hit me going 80 miles an hour parked on the freeway, me. Mm-hmm. To the point where I was on the phone crying to my best friend, letting her know that I feel like I was going to die. I looked through the rearview mirror and I see these lights coming at me and my brain just, I just knew it was it. I'm dead. And all I remember saying to her was call the ambulance. And I woke up in the car head face down to the um steering wheel someone knocking on the window and they had literally had to pull me out with the jaws of life send me off to the hospital passed out that's how scared i was because i thought yeah. i was dying 19 when i turned y'all this is some deep shit i cannot make this up i'm just trying to tell you when i turned 12 i started getting these feelings that at 27 i was gonna pass away now i know what y'all thinking oh the 27 club conspiracy theorists no This is some real shit. I literally had this feeling that my life was short. I just kept always saying, I'm going to have a short life. I'm going to have a short life. And no matter what I did to get that out of my, prayed about it, talked about it, I felt it. You could not tell me that it wasn't real. So 27 birthday comes around. I blow out my candles. And the only thing I wished for was for God to spare my life. That's literally what I said. For real. I said, God spare me. Because I thought, you could not tell me that I wasn't going to die. I was doing everything right. I wasn't, you know, doing anything crazy. But some, I was getting doctor checkups every year because I was just so afraid that yeah. something was going to happen to me. 27 came by. We get down to November, 27 years old in my life, November. And I swear to God, I said, I got one more month to go before 
this big thing happens to me. And I was so close. I was like, I'm so close. I'm going to make it through the 28. I just feel it in my bones. November 19th, I get a call that my sister had passed away at 19 in a car accident. Do you see this? Do you see this timeline? Yeah. I had to go through that accident because I needed to know that my sister didn't suffer. This was already set in stone. Do you hear me? My sister was born when I was 11 years old. 12 years old, I started getting this feeling that I'm going to die. I did not make the connection that it wasn't me. It was my sister. Do you hear me? Like, I put this on every, I put this on, God could strike me right down. I cannot make this up. There is so much in the spiritual world that we will never understand. Okay? It gets so deep, y'all. Hear me out. The week before my sister passed away, my grandmother, who left at 11 years old, came to my mom in a dream. And the dream my mom had was that she was at a funeral and she couldn't see who was in the casket because someone had this big ass hat on. And she kept Mm -hmm. trying to look around the hat. Person turns around the hat. That's person that's wearing the hat is my grandmother, my mom's angel. And my mom says she honestly knew at that moment when she woke up, something was a little off. My sister passed away. And she said, my mom was trying to tell me that she was taking Kaya with her. So knowing all this. Yeah. Angel, angel, I'm calling her angel. The medium reaches out to me and she says a whole bunch of stuff. And then she says, Kaya wants me to let you know that she's with your grandmother, your mom's mom. And I said, okay. And she said, she wants you to know that she took her before anything happened she wants you to know that your grandmother took her before anything happened do you see this connection yeah am i making sense yeah you're making sense down to the way that my sister passed away and i knew no one could tell me that my sister suffered because i was in the same predicament if i would have died i would have been gone i wouldn't have felt a damn thing okay i wasn't even present for the accident thank you god for showing up for me in that way because i would have ran myself crazy thinking about how my sister died by herself right to now we're here on this other side of grief two years later and i have this amazing spiritual connection that medium said other things but that is the thing that keeps me going that's the thread to my puzzle of fucking craziness in my world that keeps me going do you hear me That little piece of information that she gave me, she said some other stuff that was so on point that made me feel like this whole time God had my back. Everything was already planned out for me. There was nothing that I could have did, nothing I could have said, nothing that anything. And this is to you. There's no amount of words that you could have said to make your mom feel like you didn't love her. There's no amount of nothing. It was already planned out, babe. She is exactly where she needed to be, right when she needed to happen. Her work here, whatever her purpose was, was fulfilled. And you loved her. She knows that. Trust me. Okay? And that goes to anyone out there who is dealing with any kind of loss. There's threads there. Pay attention to those threads. And I think speaking to a medium, the right one, a trusted one, maybe a referred one, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I ain't talking about just pull up in your Walmart parking lot and it's a psychic outside and you walk yes. <laughs> uh-uh. no ma'am no ham <laughs> you pull up to the right medium I absolutely guarantee you there will be some type of thread there that would make you feel 
at peace that you can anchor yourself down to when you have those moments of, I'm thinking about my mom, I want to cry. I'm yeah. thinking about my mom having a hard time. Mother's Day is on Sunday. I'm struggling right now, yes. right? Yes. This is difficult for me. I'm I'm having a hard time. Let me have an anchor. Let me have some type of anchor. I feel like there's just a little bit of closure that you're asking for. This is your closure. And on top of that, that's another method that you could take. But I love you, Shay. And I, I didn't want to take up your time, but I wanted to just give you that information. Thank you. That's deep. So <laughs> on topic, what is your favorite memory with your mother? I would say some, well, I have a few actually. Some of my favorite memories was just how kind she was and how much people loved her. Like my mother had a lot of friends and, you know, earlier I mentioned that she would always open up our home to anyone that needed a home. She was a mother to other people. She, all of my brother's friends loved her. They would come out and just hang out with my mom. Like when my, one of my brothers, he went away to the military and his friends would always be at our house. And that's just how she was. And she was real cool. Like even, even my brother's ex-girlfriends would live with us. This man has completely moved on and the ex was still living with us because that's just the type of person she was. And she was also a very funny person. And I feel like I get my sense of humor from her because that's just how she was. And she could drink. I used to call her gin dog. Okay. <laughs> okay. OG triple Right. This Hennessy was her drink. And they, I promise you, like when I tell you this woman was so fun, I remember uh, for one of my birthdays, I think I was turning 11 or 12. I lived in uh, apartments and, you know, I went to school with like all of the apartment kids and I had a garage party. And I think somewhere I actually have a picture of her literally dancing with one of my friends in this little garage party. <laughs> but like I said, and I was like, oh my gosh, my mom is so embarrassing. But that's just, that's just the type of person she was. Like she was just all around fun, mm. all around fun. And I think that's what I miss the most about her. Just okay. that fun, spirited, spirited person, or my favorite memory, rather. Yeah, she sounded like she was a ball. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she definitely was. <laughs> what about your funniest memory? Um, I would say, okay, there was one time we were in the swap meet, Fontana swap meet, to be exact. <laughs> okay, girl, I have never even set foot in the Fontana swap meet. You've never been to the Fontana mm -mm. swap meet, girl. I'm from Pete Town. Okay, we got our oh, I'm own. Sorry, we got our own indoor on uh, hope. Okay, in Indian Hill, check me out. Oh my god, nobody <laughs> want to go to that funky ass. It <laughs> <laughs> probably, you know, Fontana ain't the best, ain't the freshest either. But they used to always have the shoes in there. So I remember. I I think I was school shopping or something and my mom, she was buying me some shoes. So I was trying them on and I remember she was, I'm sorry, she was eating some ice cream and the, and the little clerk, this little, this Asian dude was literally staring her down, like literally staring at the ice cream and she just stopped. She's like, damn, do you want some? And I was like, mommy, you're so rude. Like you're so rude, but I could not stop laughing because <laughs> And he was like, huh? huh? Like, he didn't understand. And she was like, well, you staring at my mouth. I didn't know if you wanted a bite. Uh, <laughs> but 
that was one of my yeah that she like i said that's just that was just her personality very quick witted <laughs> and i feel like that's a talent that a lot of black moms be having like mm-hmm. do y'all just inherit this like if you turn like 35 and it's just like i'm not boo-boo the fool right uh, tactics <laughs> just like come in like do you have a handbook that you like read <laughs> am i crazy do you no. feel like that Wait. Yes. Like, where are you learning this? Like, and then y'all, all the black moms aren't friends. You all don't have social media. Not at that time. Right. But everybody knows the sayings. Like, what what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, something that changed, <laughs> something that happened funny for me this week with my mom. I was talking to her and she was like, well, yeah, you know, I'll be watching my soap operas. And I was like, oh, shit, you didn't graduate into this next phase of life like you wonder when your granny started watching soap operas right right 40 49 yeah (laughs) (laughs) my mom probably laughing like what the heck it was a milestone i was like are we here now we we at the beginning of the soap so now i got questions like are you catching up on like the 40 years that you done missed are you just picking up right where it started and are you calling, you know, are you streaming them? Like, do they have all my children one through 100? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> right, right. No, I think one show like that, my mom, I remember uh, waking up like early in the morning because she worked early in, in every apartment. There's a candy lady. There's uh, the woman that watches your kids. There's mm-hmm. the neighborhood, whatever. But there's always something. So uh, right next door or, you know, what? honestly, this woman probably this is probably someone that my mother met and she just had that type of connection. And, you know, she found a way like I need, my daughter needs to get to school. Uh, your son is in the same class as her. Like, can we make this happen? So, um, I remember waking up super early and my mom was always watching, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies or I think it's Laverne and Cheryl, Mm. Laverne and Shirley Shirley. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was her show. Um, and then sometimes I catch myself watching. I love Lucy because she also liked, I love Lucy. Mm -hmm. So, I'm watching these shows and they're older, right? But they're still entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at a certain point, like, you know, with your mom and the soaps, like, you watch them for long enough, you like, damn, like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's how it, look, I told you my favorite shows are Sex and the City and Desperate Housewives. And if you've ever seen Desperate Housewives, that is a straight up soap opera drama. <laughs> like, you know, when people be dying and coming back or like they got ulterior motives and, Mm-hmm. Yes, I am knee deep. I have watched this show every I think it's like six seasons of this show, 25 episodes, four times. I am currently rewatching it. I'm on season five, episode six. This is my fourth fucking time watching this series. It is such a good show. So I could see how people get caught up in yeah. soap operas. Cause you come back two episodes, you're like, wait, hold the fuck up. What's going on <laughs> now? This person got a twin from back in the day that's now here pretending to be them and they didn't kill these people off and buried them in the woods. Yep. And they're collecting the SI- SSI checks. Ain't no way. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I just watched it. But that's really. You <laughs> said and they're collecting an SSI check. Oh my yes. God. Yeah. So it's, it's it's really entertaining and you could just watch for a second them Korean soap operas, I'm sure, are the same. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hold up, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So that's that's really funny. Thank you for uh making me laugh. Um, you know, really quickly. So what would you what will you miss the most about your mother? Her laugh. 
I'll definitely miss her laugh and how she made me laugh and how she just made me feel so secure. Kids are attached to their parents and they, but for me, I don't even think that was just because I was a kid. I just feel like, like I said earlier, she was my everything. I didn't care about having a relationship with nobody. I didn't even care if I had a relationship with my own brothers, Mm. but as long as I had a relationship with my mother, that's all that mattered to me. I was literally attached to her. um, And she just made me feel so protected. And I'm going to miss that. I'm also going to miss sleeping in the bed next to her. Mm. Even though I'm a wild sleeper, but that I had my own room and I was still sleeping in the bed, in the bed with her, like girl, grow up. I, and I'm just going to miss her, like her spirit, her, her willingness to make things happen. And that I think that holds true for a lot of black moms. Like whether you have it or not, they're going to make something happen and you're not going to know struggle. And I know we talked about that in the all you can eat episode. Like, I don't, I don't know why Fridays was treat day, but I always had, I never went without, not without food, not without toys, not without anything. I always had, and she made that happen. And I think that speaks a lot to not only mothers, but also immigrants and sacrifice. They, when you come over to this country or when you are escaping anything and just trying to build a better life. For the kids that you have, most of the time, they don't know what's going on behind closed doors. They don't know what it took to get you there. They don't know that, you know, maybe you had to work some extra hours just so you can get that Barbie dream house, but you're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about how you could play with this this one toy for the next two to three weeks and then be done with it. But you don't know really what went into that. And I commend my mother for doing her best and keeping it together. And even when things got bad, she still, she did her best. She did her best to keep it together until she just had to think about her. And for that, I will give her grace. Wow. She sounds like an amazing woman. She was. For you to never feel like you were without, and you're dealing with somebody who left this earth on the terms that they did. How much effort and work did she put into that feeling for you is amazing to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because this it kind of almost feels as if like all this other shit can go to the side and fall to the wayside. But you, you're going to be taken care of. Yeah. I'm never not going to do that. Yeah. I don't care what's going on. I see you. I got you. Absolutely. Right? And I love her for that. I love her for loving you that much. Right through that active disease. So shout out to your mother. Happy <laughs> Mother's Day to your mom. Do you do you mind saying her her full name just so we can have it memorialized here? <laughs> Jennifer Miriam Barnett. Jennifer Miriam Barnett. Barnett. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful name for a beautiful soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So for our listeners. This Mother's Day is tough for a lot of people. What would you give or what advice do you have for those who have lost a mother right now? I would say just honestly take it moment by moment. Um, You know, a lot of times when we're dealing with grief, it's kind of 
or even like the beginning of finding out that you lost someone. Your mind is so busy, you're distracted, you haven't really, nothing has really set in. But it's, it's when the dust settles and now you're coming up on year two or year three and you know, maybe people aren't reaching out to you for Mother's Day or maybe people aren't checking in to see, you know, like, how are you doing? How, like, I know you had talked about in Black Girl's Guide to Psychedelics, sometimes you just want people to ask about that person. Mm-hmm. What was this person like? What was your relationship like? Stuff like that. You, your feelings are valid and I know it hurts and I know sometimes it you feel forgotten. And it's a club that I don't wish on anyone. I don't wish on any of my friends, but thankfully and unfortunately, I now have three friends who have also lost mothers. So where people who can't relate, can't show up for you, there is a community of people that can. And even if you want time to yourself, stop explaining yourself. If you want to take Mother's Day and spend it alone, if you want to take Mother's Day and just do the things that your mother liked to do or the things that you once liked to do with your mother and you don't want to involve anyone, that is your business and your right. You don't owe anyone anything. And I know it gets especially hard around the holidays. Don't let anyone force you into something that you don't want to do. Don't let anyone force you into celebrating. Don't let anyone try to force you to be around people. Really be selfish with your time. And when you're ready to talk, you know, look at your friends. Know the ones that you could talk to. And if you can't talk to any of them, it's time for some new friends. Or maybe or maybe you need to lean on that family member that could tell you about the good memories. What I would say is overall, just have grace for yourself and take it moment by moment. Cause literally one moment you could be okay. And then you see something and now you're breaking down. Like it was the first, the first day you heard that your mother passed. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm still getting through it. So I don't have all the answers, but I'm telling you what has been working for me. And we appreciate you for even stepping out here into this space to talk about this. This was emotional. Shay has mm-hmm. cried through this entire episode. <laughs> and that no, I'm saying like you are giving your emotions, you know? Yeah. This is this is a real person with real feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not for entertainment. Like these are our this is our life. Yeah. And for you to step up on here. And be brave during this week, especially, and give Jennifer a platform to kind of shine and just express her awesomeness to all the people that are going to hear this and just kind of solidify her place in the ether. You know what I'm saying? Like out there, like Jennifer is on the networks, y'all, like for real Jennifer 101 we got a show for her like (laughs) you did that shit for your mom and it wasn't easy but you did it yeah and I hope I mean for me this conversation was very healing and even though I still have my mother in my life you know um and that is a privilege I'm gonna own that privilege because I know that if the shoe was on the other foot things would be different do you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So 
I want to honor that I do have that privilege right now, but you have made me realize that I need to take my time with my mother more seriously. It's extremely valuable. It's priceless because no one knows when you're going to get called home. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to end with that. No one knows when you're going to get called home. You're home though. Your mom's home. Your mom's Thank home. You that. Yes. Yes. Did you have any closing words? I wanted to say to you that this has been, apart from this episode, this has been an amazing ride. And I just want to always thank you for just being an amazing co-host. And thank you for getting vulnerable right there with me. Oh, my God. Thanks for talking to the fans. Thank you. No, girl, I'm talking to you. (laughs) You, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for talking about Kaya. Thank you for sharing, not sharing this grief, but sharing just that vulnerability with me. Yeah. So thank you. You're absolutely welcome. It, like you said, it's a club. Even though me and you are in different memberships, programs, you yeah. know, I'm in the sister's club, you in the mother's club. Mm-hmm. We're in organ- the same building. We're in the same building. <laughs> just different yeah. rooms. Yeah. And yeah. like you said, you wouldn't wish that um, on anybody. You, you really wouldn't. And, you know, we had a conversation. I'm not going to say what I said, but... I had a conversation with you last week where I had an emotional breakdown. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. Um, I was just really overwhelmed. And there was a story that I told you where I had covered my sister's picture on accident in the midst Mm -hmm. of me putting up a shelf. And it broke me down to my knees that like, I was so guilty. Like, how dare you cover my sister up? Like, even though it was just a water bottle in front of her picture, you know, I was just this immediate guilt. And then I had to really break it down that it wasn't the guilt. I'm still grieving. I still feel like I don't want to forget my sister. When you mentioned, um, you know, the, the thing you'll miss the most is her laugh. That's the mm-hmm. thing that I worry that I'll forget. Mm-hmm. Like I, I literally have to tell myself, remember her laugh, remember her laugh. So I don't yeah. forget that sound. I'm yeah. sure you can understand that. Oh, girl. Yeah. I have recordings. I have recordings of my mother's voicemails. I have recordings of my grandmother, but I haven't brought myself to listen to them. Yeah. But I'm thankful that I have them right now. They're here. They're stored in my memory. Right. But when you need them, when I need them, when I'm, when I get the courage. Yeah. When I get the courage, I will. (laughs) No. Did you see, did you see my story last week when I had talked about, I had bought a journal for my sister when she had passed away mm-hmm. immediately I bought this journal and I was like, okay, the way that I looked at the journal and maybe this might help as well for those of you who are dealing with um, the loss of your mother. I had this idea when I lost my sister that she wasn't going to be a part of these things that I planned for, like being a bridesmaid at my wedding. Yeah. Um, me becoming an auntie because you know, she was going to have the kids and all these life plans that we had. I felt, how am I going to go through life and not experience this with her? And I couldn't fathom the idea that it was, she just wasn't going to be a part of these things. And I told myself, I need to get a journal so that when these things happen, I can actively speak to her and have it. Does that make sense? Have something to hold. And maybe this might help for anyone else struggling with grief, but I want to write her a letter on my wedding day so I can, make sure she's incorporated and I have a conversation with her. So two years, almost two years in November, she's been passed away. And 
I bought this journal and I wrote in it one damn time because I, I can't get myself to solidify her passing by writing. Does that make sense? Yes. You're yes. Solid, like I'm writing in here. I'm solidifying that you're gone. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready to do that. But I haven't been sleeping for this last few nights. And um, I said, I'm going to get up. It was midnight, by the way. My ass should have been long gone. Sleep. I'm going to get up. I'm going to light some candles. I'm going to go to my altar. And I'm going to pull that journal out. And I'm going to write her a letter. Yeah. On a fucking random Tuesday night on midnight. And I did. Okay. This was a big deal for me, y'all. Yeah. I was in tears picking up the journal i didn't even open it yet and i was already crying yeah and these little orbs i wanted to take a picture to commemorate this moment for myself it was only for me because i wanted to say this this was the day that i finally wrote her have a timestamp. pull out my phone and there's these little orbs floating around her journal i could not see them with my eye I had to see them through the lens and I did yeah. everything you can think of. I moved the candles around to see if there was any light reflection. I did all this stuff and they were just kind of like in this weird spot where it didn't make any sense. And I said, okay, that's my sister letting me know she's right here with me. Like, why am I overreacting? Why yeah. am I getting so angry about putting a picture uh, something covering her picture when she's so close? I could damn near touch her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like those moments. We need those little moments to keep us going. Keep us going. So thank you for allowing me the space to talk about that stuff. Two, this is as healing for me as it is for you. You know, and the time that it's difficult is as difficult for me as it is for you. Like, this is some real shit. Okay. So I am going to close with that. I want to say to your mother, I love you. I love you. I love you. Like that's all I can say that I love you. And may you continue to guide Shalika in the ways that you're going to her. You're here right now because of her. You're here right now. I also want to know um, really quickly. What is when you think about the way that your mom smelled? Do you have a do you have a smell for her? Yes. What is it? <laughs> what is it? It's crazy that you asked me that because I'm sorry. I was in the store last week. My mommy, she, my mom went back and forth with two perfumes, Angel and White Diamonds. Okay. There was a woman. That's okay. I had, I had been thinking about her. And uh, there was this woman that walked past me and she smelled like White Diamond perfume. So I stopped her. And just to confirm if that's what she was wearing. And she said, yes. And then <laughs> I just told her. Thank you for walking past me. Girl, this is your mom right here. Do you see this? I don't know this. <laughs> I'm not trying I'm not trying to creep you guys out. I am not even um a medium of any sorts. Promise to God. Shay, I'm not trying to make I'm not if I if I sound crazy, please clip this. <laughs> please. Like I give you full permission to like throw this in the trash because I don't want people to think I'm Miss Cleo or something. <laughs> you know, Miss Cleo was a whole scam. She was a whole They scam. are going to blow that line up. Like, are you sure? <laughs> no, but. I heard I could find a medium here. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, y'all. So, okay. I know I keep saying this is the last thing. This is the last thing. I don't care. I said this episode is going to run however long we decide for it to run. <laughs> um, 
all right, remember I told you I went to do the psychedelics? And I channeled and I was doing this divination thing. Never done it before. Like I've always had little hints that like maybe possibly I might have talents like predicting my sister's passing. But there was always some subtleties like it was my sister, not me. Like these little things that I couldn't get right. What I will tell you, I should have said that this was my hidden talent. but I didn't (laughs) think about it. This is my true hidden talent. And like, this was like my first inkling that like, maybe I might have some talent somewhere. I'm not claiming nothing because I could be crazy. But I used to be able to predict what movies were going to come on TV on what days. Stupid. This is so stupid. And like, I would convince myself that like, I was just, I was just on this weird coincidence for years like and it would happen in ways that i would be like now come on girl why would that be on tv at this time (laughs) and the thing is is like i would always see it it's not like yeah it's on tv and i'm at school and i'm like scouring through the tv guide like Mm -hmm. it would physically be on television i would see it yeah so i got with sadell and we had you know when you cupcake in those first couple months he asked me if I had any talents. And I told him, I said, this is my talent. He said, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> right? And I gave him three guesses. And sure enough, they came on TV. And he was like, this is crazy, but I have a feeling you looked in the TV guide. And it's been years, lady, years of me being like, see? We've been together for 10 years. <laughs> and we went to the fucking retreat. And he was finally like, you're clairvoyant he was like you have some type of power and i was like no i don't he was like no you really do and then i was hanging out with my fucking friends so the people that i divined on at that psychedelic Mm -hmm. experience i hung out with them this week the past weekend and they were like brie you're clairvoyant like why don't you just claim and i was like no i'm not i swear i'm not clairvoyant they're like bro you divined on me. I am telling you that you're clairvoyant. So then I pulled a tarot card last night. I did a reading on myself, pulled a tarot card, and I pulled the high priestess. And I know some of y'all are like, tarot, I don't know anything about tarot. High priestess is heavy on the clairvoyance, heavy on the intuition. And it just was one of those last little steps, this entire week of people confirming, like you may have some talents that you need to lean into so Mm -hmm. i'm manifesting right now that i'm gonna lean into that i'm not a medium i don't think but i feel like there is a gift there yeah and i've been running from it and i'm 29 next week for 29 years i've predicted some wild shit i predicted car accidents okay i predicted my grandmother's sickness Mm-hmm. crazy stuff and sometimes they come, I meet people in my dreams before I meet them in real life mm. I have terrible deja vu terrible I have deja vu once a week and I'm like oh you know it can be just me eating tacos or something no <laughs> you know it's like these nuances of like I'm not given this gift power therefore it's lying dormant like it's there it's deep within my spirit and I need to nurture it I need to strengthen that gift and stop saying coincidences coincidences because 29 years of coincidences is just crazy yeah you know and you are right now giving me confirmation and i hope i don't sound nuts i hope i don't sound no. crazy. 
Do I sound crazy? No. Stop saying that. No, you do not sound crazy. But I used to be like, no, those are crazy people. It's like, no. <laughs> and here I am, you know, feeling like maybe I have a talent. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to leave that with y'all on a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's free psychic. <laughs> We'll put up a poll. Is Brie psychic? Is Brie, <laughs> is Brie psychic? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, that is all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you guys for always listening to Cafe Confessions. Season one is done. We appreciate you guys so much for rocking with us for an entire season. Don't think for one yeah. second we don't appreciate you. Because we do. We do. We do. Keep coming back. Keep listening <laughs> and call us. Okay. Dang. We got a whole phone number. Give us a call. Send us, send us an email, a, a snail mail, whatever type of mail, just mail us. So, say something. Okay. <laughs> we done seen the stats. We know how many of y'all yes. motherfuckers are listening to this. They'll say it to us, but we need you to say it to the rest of the world. Okay. <laughs> say it y'all want to be blowing down our phone. Like, which we appreciate. Thank you so yes. much. Yes. Wednesdays, Thank you so much for that. Text messages going up. I'm yeah, like, text messages are going crazy. Oh, I'm laughing at this part. Oh, this shit is so funny. Ha 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 ha. I'm mm-hmm. like, girl, I'm at work right now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thanks. We drop this shit automatically. We are not yes. there pressing the button saying, hmm, I'm waiting for somebody <laughs> to call in. Send that shit on the cafe confessions line. That's why we right. have it. Right. You have you have a few weeks until we pick up the next season. So go ahead, make the phone calls. The the number will be in the show notes. Do do what you need to do so and we can do what we need to do. Yes. And then you could be on the show. Get that clown. Okay. Even if Hello. you gotta be like, I'm opening up a new barbecue business. I love the show. We right. may cut out Bruh's barbecue. We will have <laughs> you on the show. Yes. Yeah. That is Ooh. and I will say that's one of our goals. We want to start talking to people like us, people who are just starting out trying to get it uh new businesses young black businesses young people of color we want to talk to you we want to work with you we got so much planned so let's connect season two season three season four all the seasons hereafter let's do it really quick let me just say what we got in store just just a little Ah, snippet okay 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 okay. just a little snippet so me and shay are taking about think taking about thinking about taking cafe confessions to the streets one day a month, okay, where we actually have an episode on the streets of our city or on the bluff, on the beach, wherever. And we interview random people that walk by to give you guys a perspective of what's out there. Talking to the yes. folks, talking to the people. Yes. We also want to start doing videos so that you guys could see our faces because we'd be up in here in pajamas. So that means right. we're going to have oh, to get Lord. <laughs> okay i mean i can't wear my booty shorts dang i gotta be clothed now okay and i gotta wear a bra i gotta oh, wear a God, bra worse okay yes <laughs> so we're doing that we definitely of course have some segment ideas mm-hmm. episodes may be longer maybe shorter we're leaning more towards the shorter side to keep you guys more in tune tapped in and yes guests of course are welcome we are ready for you we're co- thinking about merchandise mm-hmm 
So you guys can have some Cafe Confession mugs or some sun catchers or something cute. We're working on it. So just know that this is a real ass motherfucking podcast. Okay. <laughs> if anybody ever told you it's some jigaboo shit, it is not. We are the real deal. Holy Phil. Up in here, we are real as rain. So yes, we are coming to you guys so you guys can actually be proud of this podcast and say it out loud because clearly you ain't saying it out loud. So I'm feeling like you're not proud. So let me go ahead and change that up for you. <laughs> Season two. And also email us your, your inquiries about, you know, what you think we can do better or what you would prefer. Let us know yes. what your topics are that you want to hear. We want to hear from you guys. So I'm going to let Shay link us with all of our, you know, emails and tiktoks take it away my love yes please send us an email at cafe confessions podcast at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok and instagram at cafe.confessions.podcast and phone number 562-485-9535 Ooh. Yo, i might it write me that yeah. um, <laughs> it will be in the show notes for sure but we will be back in June. Okay, so that's a three-week break. Not that long. Don't yeah. get your panties in a wad. Okay, right, right. unclutch the pearls. You can relax. We are coming back. Just three weeks. Right. We're not get, leaving you. We're not leaving you. That's three episodes that you could catch up on. Spread them out. All right, make it last. Remember when your mom bought groceries and she got all the snacks and she said, <laughs> make, make it, it last, last forever. Yes. Don't give it out to none of your friends. I don't know if your mom ever told you that. Oh, my mom yes. stop, feeling, stop feeding my friends. Yeah. I'm like, mom. Sure did. And you know what? Back in the 90s, we didn't have the computer access that y'all have today. Our fucking impressive bitch was I got Tang. You see? Thank that? you. <laughs> I got beef. I got the real chips. <laughs> Oh my god! Was it not? Oh my god! Yes. Like, oh, yes. you got pop tarts? Yep. No, yep. you got motherfucking toaster strudels. Yes. You rich as fuck. Oh no, you rich as hell up in this motherfucker. So, wait, this is fruity pebbles and not tutti fruits. <laughs> oh hell no. Yep. Yep. Stunting on them with our snacks. Yes. <laughs> Oh, stop. And then there was the momentary flexes at the school cafeteria uh, situation. Lunchables. Pulling out them Lunchables. Mm -hmm. um, it was mm -hmm. like these little Pringles that used to come in a little stacker. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Oh, Pringles. my gosh. I haven't seen you a video. I lit. Okay. I just seen this video of this chick. And she was like, this was the biggest flex. Because you had like the little container. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gushers. Fucking. Yeah. Uh, yogurt. What are those? Motherfuckers? Go-gurts. Go-gurts. Yes. <laughs> That's, that was our flexing back in the day. Y'all have Jordans. Y'all have iPhones. Y'all have AirPods right. and shit. We have fucking snacks. You know what was a big flex with music before iPhones? Being able to make your own mix CD. Oh, please. Yeah. Then you would make money too. Cause they'd be like, oh, then you I, would make money. You was making bank. Yes. You was making hella bank, hella bank. And you know what? I do. Wow. Okay, spirit. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I said, I need to apologize. I need to, <laughs> I need to apologize. So, um, making money in school, I was a candy girl. Um, oh Lord. Okay. Go ahead. How tell my me. business started. I had a neighbor that was cleaning out their garage and they had, <laughs> bro, I probably got a whole mesothelioma case right now. <laughs> <that I'm fighting. laughs> 
Not you selling stolen goods, but stolen expired goods. Please don't tell me that's what. Please don't tell me. That's exactly what I'm going. Bro, the chocolate had white spots on it. No, Bree, and you sold. Oh, you okay? Okay, okay. All right, you are not a good supplier. Okay, your stuff is not good. That's why I'm like, "Mm -mm, don't buy from her. Her shit's stale. No, let me tell you. So I had a customer with a complaint. He filed a grievance and he was like, this, this candy is still. And I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in seventh grade and I'm over here like, look, I'm the new booty at this school. I just showed up a couple weeks ago. I'm just trying to make some cash. <laughs> my, my business. Shut, do you buy? You're done. That's it. No <laughs> so hold up, Bree. Most people, when they come to a school, they their first thing is let's let me try and make friends. Let me go and introduce myself to people. You came in and immediately got to business. Like, oh, I'm not. People need to know I'm that girl who's slanging the snacks. What? What? Yes. Yes, this is what this oh, is some Lord. true shit. So if you ever bought candy from me back in 2005 and you are sick today, please go, please contact somebody, a doctor. I don't know. Let them know that you had some stale candy back in the day and that could have been the cause of Oh hell no. This is a joke. She ain't about to get us sued. We haven't really started. She is kidding. She does not mean that. She is not owning any guilt for whatever sickness you may have. <laughs> We are not putting that on this. Uh, we will be deleting that out of this. <laughs> Hell no. That's the little $20 that we got. <laughs> now worth $2 million because you done racked up their medical bills. No, not here. We only on season one. And at the end of season one, you're going to get us canceled before we even begin. You should just put and eh, on that whole yeah. part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Like. You're too, you are too much. But for real though, that candy shit was no joke. I used to work at Smart and Final, and this little kid ran up in Smart and Final and stole. Cause you know that's where they get the candy. <laughs> this little kid was like 12 years old, ran up in there like lightning, snatched a fucking pack of like assorted chocolates. And like ran out and got snatched before he could hit the door. <laughs> no. Yes, he sure did, poor baby. So that candy hustle life, if you was about that shit, you was about it. If he was smart, he would have walked in calmly, <laughs> got his candy, and then bolted once he got to the door. But if you running in, go to the aisle to find what candy you want to grab, of course they're gonna have enough time to, you know, block the exit. You should come on, bro. You could have played that a little bit better. What are you doing? He said bolted in and bolted out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, that's not suspicious at all. It was Sir. Suspicious. And you know what I did? I said, they don't pay me enough to do with that. So I just no, kept no, on no. sweeping. I'm not chasing you no. for a bag of candy. <laughs> no. I don't they got insurance for that? Like <laughs> Exactly. They'll they could replace it. It's not that deep. I'm sorry. For me to no. risk my whole ass life. <laughs> You don't know what them kids be on? I'm sorry. No. What if, now, what if he would have stabbed you over a bag of assorted candy? No, thank you. You can keep it. <laughs> next next customer, please. <laughs> anyway. No. no, I feel like black people are so nonchalant. 
And I feel like that show, what would you do? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. I had my ass yes. fucked up because I would have been like, that ain't got nothing to do with me. And I would have kept. <laughs> <laughs> then they pull up. Hey, just to let you know that you are actually on a show. Right. Um, so why didn't you do anything back there? <laughs> like, I didn't previously that. I don't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> oh, you're so ridiculous. Mm-mm. Anyway, this was a great episode. Thank you for giving me the space to laugh and cry. You, thank you for giving me the space to laugh. I don't know how I was going to make it out of that, but I feel good. I feel like, man, there's some things that I haven't really said out loud in a long time. And I'm sure there are friends that are listening to this that, don't even know that side to me. So, but I'm not worried about that. Um, I really hope that whoever is also dealing with grief that, you know, like you, you got something out of this and I know I definitely did. So thank you. Thank you to our listeners. And we're going to see you in season two. See you in June. Bye.